that that is true. Wait, I, are yeah. we arguing that there's not a bad Shane Black thing? Is nobody no, I, no, 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 oh, no, 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 Predators is all right. No, no, Predators the one that the movie is about Eric. The movie's about weaponizing autism, which is a fucking four chan Wait, am I doing the wrong Predator movie? The Predator now. Yeah. Which one? Yeah, which one's the Predators one? Yeah, not the Talk first. Not the first one. The new Predators. One. The predators, one. the one with Adrian oh, the Brody. One, the Adrian on, Brody yeah. one I liked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that one's Adrian fine. Brody one yeah. is fine. Yeah. Oh, no, the Adrian one that Brody one Steve is fine. Clapping about for like yes, ages. Yes, oh, okay. for a long, long time. It took <laughs> the Predator. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about the Thomas Jane Keegan Michael Key one. Oh like, yeah, that one was terrible. It was terrible. so bad. Technically, their name should be Hunters. We don't care. Let's it's kill them. We know they're That's not. That's the one we where know. they randomly blow up houses and no repercussions yeah. happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the kid totally kills that guy. He just walks out of the street. <laughs> you know, oh like the God. last the, the last scene, they, they had toyed with different reveals. And one of them, instead of it just being like a Predator's armor suit, mm -hmm. uh, it was actually going to be uh, Newt from uh, uh alien uh, <laughs> what yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a grown-up newt encased in a oh, biogenic like, it's thing. like shane black was like man i need to buy another house i guess i'll make a really but, shitty predator movie but i will say if they had that ending our whole reaction to the movie might have been slightly different well we know we so <laughs> yeah 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 but we'd have we'd be we'd be laughing about it like the case of newt on this <laughs> newt <laughs> What does it matter anyway? Who cares? <laughs> I think it'd be great if you just brought out like an adult newt, but never explained that it was newt. <laughs> That's what they would have done too. You know, well, just newt died in the third alien movie anyway. So, um, well, she died in between the two, actually. Oh, was on transport. And with that, I say welcome to Geeks of Kids, the bi-weekly <laughs> geeky podcast from a parenting point of view. I know you've been listening to us talk about aliens and predators for a oh, little while terrible. now, but you know. We're going to go into our actual thing. <laughs> That's today's topic. <laughs> Could We're going to talk about Wimes. Uh, we are actually here to talk about Dune, the 2021 adaptation of uh, you know Frank Herbert's classic novel. Uh, that director, Canadian director, Denis Villeneuve, um, did the impossible and filmed this film. Um, and we're going to talk oh, about Oh, wait, it gave away the ending there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, at least I have an ending. Uh, wait, like this the is a What? Film? No, I'm just joking. What? <laughs> Um, that, that was a joke. Um, joining me this week is David, Hawk, uh, Steve, Brent, and Chos. We're just looking up to you, like the like the like we're lower than you, Chos. You're the camera's much lower, so we're just like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's much better. Nice, nice. I like that sideways. Get That's good. down there. <laughs> yeah. So today we're gonna talk about the the book that was deemed unfilmable. Um. And probably we'll probably talk about the old versions. Though. Who said that though? I want to know specific. Like, well, does that that's a label has been thrown out with so oh, many books and that, and like, yeah, you know, like filmmakers find a way. But it's it's yeah. true though. There's been six or seven attempts. Really, we only talk about three. You know, but there yeah. were many attempts. Anyway. Anyway, back to the new one. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, like we do every show, we're gonna ask uh, you what's good. So let's go with uh, Dave. What's good? Uh, well, other than watching Dune three times, uh, <laughs> nice, nice. I wonder if you like the movie. Uh, well, I watched the nope, not the, the the new one twice yesterday and the the eighty four version once today. Um, I don't know. I uh, I've just been. I literally have just been playing Back for Blood. Like yep. that's it. I don't do anything else right now. 
We had a good it's run on Saturday. Life. I gotta say. We did. We finished Act 1. See. Hopefully we'll finish Act 2 sometime this week. I yeah. still haven't beaten the game despite having over 30 hours in it. In, and it's <laughs> and it only came out on Tuesday. Um, I played some PvP. It's pretty good, actually. We, should play some we did PvP. good in PvP, too. Which is surprising. I mean, there's there's like... People are still learning the game, so you have you have some really one sided matches. Hey, you can't blame me. I wasn't there for the PvP. We won. I mean, I have most matches I find are you go in and you either get utterly destroyed or you destroy the other team. There's not a lot of like, you know, I don't think there's like any ELO or anything. So um, it's it's just kind of whoever's there deciding to murder you. But yeah, back from back. Yeah, (laughs) not electronic light orchestra. Yeah, I was gonna say electric light orchestra. No, um, no, uh, but yeah, it's fun, and uh, you can get it right now on Game Pass for a dollar. One dollar, one dollar. Plus, there's a bunch of other games on Game Pass, so you yeah, can, some really you know. good ones. Minecraft yeah. is coming out. I hear that's a mm-hmm. good game. I've never played it. Um, I hear it's, it's never, very popular with my the, the youth. Yeah, Minecraft. Yeah, yeah. sounds like. Sounds I don't know like if I can I mean, join your server because it's a, it's gonna be on Game Pass. So who knows what they're allowed? No, Game but I, you know, have, I have my own. I have my own realm on there. Yeah, but do you have one? As long as I invite you to. It should it, be are you on Java or Bedrock? Is the question. Uh, or you on you are you on console? Bedrock. I'm on Bedrock. Yeah. If you're on console, you can't. There's no crossplay for console. I thought there was. If you got a realm. Because I thought that was the whole idea is that if you got a realm, you can only sign in with a Microsoft account. So just I know you play Minecraft. It might be Xbox sided cross platform, but everything Mm. else can't like you can't play PC and PS5 or like Android versions. So obviously totally separate. Yeah. Yeah. I'm playing it on the PS5. So I I think David's right in that case. Like, I think I know you can connect like like a mobile game with like the Windows version. Those work. Oh, uh, so if you're playing on your phone or whatever, but I, I don't, I don't think you can connect a console like the Nintendo Switch version with the PlayStation mm. version. Because I had I, my ex, my girlfriend at the time many years ago, she had it on PS4, and I played it on PC, and we couldn't play together. Mm. And I still don't think you can do that. Well, well that's I, unfortunate because my realm has a roller coaster and a functional casino. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! <laughs> Damn it! But we just all have, have ray tracing game now. Does it have ray tracing? So yeah, you can play Xbox One to PC and everybody else is just no. borked. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's sad. Um, it is. But that's sort of what Bethesda is going to be ending, end up doing soon. Anyways, um, let's move on over to Hawk. What's good, my friend? Hey. What's yummy? Um, what's yum, 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 yum? What's my yum? Uh, tasty. <laughs> that tastiness. Oh, yeah. Juicy. Um, is it savory? Much, I mean, no, that's that's umami right there. That's what that is. We should <laughs> call it right that. What's your umami? <laughs> What's your umami? I would my prefer umami. that to be honest. Uh, my okay, my yum umami. What's good this week? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's something Hi, I actually have, something I actually haven't watched yet. And I've been planning to, but I just know it's going to be good in that. And it's a documentary on the Velvet Underground. Uh, it's on Apple Ooh. Apple Plus right now uh, for everybody to watch. And I'm really excited about it because, like, you you know, for anybody who knows the band and that, I mean, um, they were kind of they were the counterculture band of the 60s and that in a time of like massive counterculture. There was this little band from New York and that made up of Lou Reed, John Cale, Sterling Morrison and Mo Tucker and that. Um, who, uh, uh, as Brian Eno said, famously only sold thir- sold 30,000 copies of the record, but everybody who bought that record started a band. Um, mm, they are uh, probably as I- influential as the Beatles yeah. and uh, the Todd Brothers. Haynes. 
Exactly right. <laughs> Todd Haynes, the uh, the uh, the indie movie director, and that who was behind uh, Velvet the Velvet Goldmine, uh, took all this archival footage of them from the '60s and that to make this and put it through like this weird kaleidoscope process. So, um, really excited to watch it. Velvet Goldmine had Obi Wan in it, right? Ewan McGregor. Ah, uh, yes, yes, he did he, playing. Uh, oh, what was his name? That was the funny thing about that movie because it was it was an unofficial David Bowie biopic where he wasn't allowed to use the words names David Bowie or you know Iggy Pop (laughs) Um, he played Kurt Wilde Kurt Wilde Kurt Wilde right yeah that was like the name he chose for the Iggy Pop character (laughs) nice um is it is is this documentary like a series or is it just a movie just a movie in that um like you know like you said they found a bunch of archival film footage you know and and this is weird you know which is amazing because there's not a lot of like film footage of that time from from this band you know um you know not like the old the beatles like you know where it's like you know everybody was documenting everything they did and we're actually going to see a documentary from them on apple plus at the end of november in that you know three-part miniseries Ooh, one so for each lip. Oh wait! <laughs> really looking forward to seeing it. Oh! oh. <laughs> I don't give a fuck about your Beatles. The Beatles are. <laughs> I like. I like the idea of that Beatles documentary that it's building up to them doing the rooftop um, concert. Like that's phenomenal. Yeah, I think that's great. And seeing that, I would, I I would see. like to throw a quick little humble brag out there, but I did once get to work with one of the Beatles, and it was one of the coolest nights of my life. Um, but you know, heads the expectations. It was Pete Best. It was not one of the main four. That's, oh, no, come on! You know what? That's no, still getting, fine. I got to work. I got to work backstage crew, and like he was basically like, "You need a drink? Let me go get you a drink. I got this for you. Like, yeah. you need me to show you something around? Let me show you around." Like, that's it was just cool. a really, really surreal experience. Did you? I know... feel like that guy has, has lived off sympathy for pretty much like <laughs> the entirety of whatever career he's had. It's like, I could. How could he's you not be angry? He's 79 and he was in the Beatles for two years. Like, you gotta chill. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did everyone here go to Mac? Dave, you didn't go to Mac, right? No. <laughs> everyone else did, right? No, that diploma uh, no. is from Niagara College, then, Eric. Okay. I only have a dip- so the, the four on my, the, on my right. I, I am a hawk boy. Uh, did you guys know that the Velvet Underground played at Mac? Get out. Yeah, oh, really? I did not know that. There's, there are like ticket stubs of um, them playing like really early. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. There's somebody in like Australia who listens to this podcast and like, what the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> we do actually have listeners in Australia. It's in the underground. Yeah, but underground. It's an emergency from the prime minister. Please comment on, on how bad our Aussie accents are. And <laughs> I, I think we've vocals. lost our Aussie listeners now. <laughs> uh, it's Aussie listener. Let's let's get that right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but that, yeah that's cool i'm uh, is it out now it's out now already the book yeah it's on apple plus right now so yeah definitely you know. definitely check out the sparks brothers documentary I'm, we, I'm pretty sure we talked about it before but that movie's phenomenal it's directed by edgar wright and it's about a band that apparently is super influential but no one from our generation <laughs> no knows. one knows them wow. yeah. <laughs> yeah but when you listen They're to fantastic. their music you'll hear their influence on every band you've listened to it's crazy it really is like their 1971 record in that it's like i was like i can hear new wave in this i can hear glam rock and it's like these are genres that didn't even have names at the time yeah crazy all right let's move on we should do a a music documentary episode when the beatles one comes out 
<gasps> yeah. Ooh. Ooh. I like this idea. All right, Steve, what's good? What is good? Your ramen? Yeah, my ramen was pretty good. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just woke up. Sleeper must awaken and all that. Uh, uh, reference. Uh, <laughs> reference to this um, movie. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, and you know what? I, I think the last thing I was talking about the last time was just how unhappy I was with all my fandoms, like kind of going to shit. And uh, I was just hoping and praying, you know, oh, dude, it's my last one. And, and yeah, and we'll find out very soon whether or not that worked out. Um, mm-hmm. That's pretty much been my, my uh, umami. Is that? What we're yep. going with you yeah. can just go with your, <laughs> your yum you're you you know umami, I'm never, really never going with that i'm no your that's umami not, could be back for blood i'm just saying all right <sighs> yeah i know i'm debating anyway it's a very savory yeah, game it is. I, uh, I had good i had good umami uh ramen and uh and dune and i'm happy i don't want you to say your ramen's good if it was just all right that's all I'm, I'm just saying. Oh, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Hey, that's my breakfast. I mean, it's fair, tasty. Fair. And if we're talking about ramen, that's the perfect time to actually say umami. Yeah, this is fair. There you go. This is fair. Yeah. <laughs> what about totally you, Shows? Shows, what's your yum, 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 yum? So, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be my yum if I wasn't talking about Animal Crossing. And <laughs> last week oh, on the Nintendo had... GameCube. Uh, <laughs> yes, the, the GameCube, yeah. <laughs> the 3DS. No, um. So, so last week they had a um, uh, Animal Crossing Direct uh, online, and they basically said, "Hey, you know, this game's been out for a couple of years now. Um, let's just throw a massive amount of new content at the players." So um, they announced a whole bunch of new stuff coming out. They announced a new DLC, all kinds of stuff. So nice. it, it's a game that I've already plugged hundreds of hours into, and now uh, just as it's, I start to get away from its grasp and to try some other games. <laughs> Uh, I find out that on November 5th, I'm going to be jumping back into Animal Crossing again. So I'm excited about that. Um, That's so but what I've been cute. playing right now is, and, and losing very, very quickly is, uh, is the new Metroid game. I've been playing that. Uh, you know, I, I listened to, uh, to you guys talk about um, some of your thoughts on, on Metroidvanias and whatnot. This, this game is, uh, is kicking my butt. <laughs> That's for sure. Yep. Uh, I never released going. our like review of it. You know, I realized that we reviewed it huh. last week and I never, I never released it. Oh, you got to put that out there. I should. I think you did. It's very hard. <laughs> well, we did it live, and then I totally forgot to <laughs> download it. You got sure a lot I, thought you, I thought you did put it out. No, I'll put it yeah. out in podcast form. Uh, but yeah. yeah, shows we reviewed it. Uh, I think we all generally gave it a thumbs up. Now, I had a lot of issues with that game, but I still liked it. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's it gorgeous. Like, it was I've an hour. It was an it. hour of us like, sh- yeah, it was an hour of us shitting on it, and then at the end going, but oh, we liked it. Yeah, you should still play it. You should still play it. My favorite thing for the Switch. It's I love, isn't it? It's like how people talk about me. I've still tried. I'm still on the end boss, and it's still fucking killing me, and it's still frustrating I just me. Did, oh my I God. just beat him this weekend. Ah, oh, fuck you. No. Um. Ah. Good for you. God damn it, that last <laughs> boss. Um. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I um. I sent you guys. I, I think it was in the Facebook Messenger. Uh, a video of Adam Sessler doing a review of Metroidvania, and every time I listened to him, I was like, you know what? He's one hundred percent right. Everything he's saying is right. Uh, <laughs> Everything. <laughs> I, I think it soured my review a little bit after listening. Oh to it. no! <laughs> it's because I because of that last boss. Anyway, um, yeah, Metroidvania, awesome. Metroid, pretty good. All right, Brent. Uh, well, first off, what's not yum right now is my internet connection is just absolute garbage, and you guys are all cutting in and out constantly. And I know it's on my end, Uh-oh. so uh, um, 
But speaking of uh, the Metroidvanias, my yum, and thank you to Steven for bringing this up at the last one. I finally started playing Control last night, and yeah! I absolutely love it. Yeah! Oh, good, good. So I, I, on with the, I put it on at, like, probably, like, 1 o'clock in the morning last night with the intention of, let me just play, like, a little that bit of it and stream it, and then I'll, like, I'll get You're back still awake from morning. today, I, I from last night, aren't you? I played it, I think, probably until about 4 or 5 in the morning. God, and you watch Dune as well. Oh man, you're you're messed yes. up. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's well, hilarious. Well, I'm I'm glad. I'm glad because you know I you know I'm not really a Metrovania guy, so I'm glad that it it's something you're enjoying. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, and I think I sent this it's stuff. one of those like it's it had been on my playlist for a long time, especially when the free PS5 upgrade came out. Uh, like that's how I got it. So I'm like, it's it's always been there to play, but it wasn't really until like you sat down, and discussed it, and and everyone else started gushing over it. And I'm like, okay, maybe I will get into this now. Like, it's very good. Um, I I, I yeah. also I think I sent this to Hawk. I didn't send it to everyone, but Carrion, which was one of Steve's picks, is now on the mm-hmm. PlayStation Network, so you guys can play it over yep. there. Yes, yes. And it's, it's also on Xbox uh, Game they, Pass. They, they so you really... can play for a dollar. <laughs> oh fuck! I need to get on that. Um, yeah, and they released it on sale too on uh, PS5. Nice, nice. On yeah, PlayStation. I think it's like twenty percent off or yeah, something. Yeah, they, they're doing their Halloween sale right now, and they have a lot mm. of good games actually on it. Maybe I was thinking about doing a post about like Halloween games. Like both of the Man of Medan games are out there. So right. I think about them. I'm thinking There's three about, of them like, now, isn't there? It's yeah, you mean the Dark three. Pictures and Dark Pictures. Man of Medan yeah. is just one of the yeah. stories within that. Yeah. I think they're like thirteen dollars, and I was like, that probably that sounds like a good price for oh. those games. Okay, I'm just, surprised. Yeah, I picked that. I picked that Man of Medan last time it was on sale. I'm surprised it didn't jump out the way like Until Dawn did. Like Until Dawn was like a big release, okay. and I feel like not a lot of people talk about the it's Dark Pictures stuff. Yeah, it's true. The last couple have been very like yeah muted. Like um, they're supposed to be good. I just don't hear anybody playing yeah. them. Yeah, I think it's That's because true. Until Dawn was such like a fresh take on mm-hmm. on the horror genre. Like it was the first game really of. Like it was like a telltale style. horror game, kind of. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think we can attest to it. You know, like what horror fans are present. I mean, it's a good story. You know, like yeah, until not, dawn, like, it's fantastic. It's yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's homage and a celebration of horror, but it's it's smart. Like it's not a like throwaway horror game or premise. Mm-hmm. Like it's really well done. So mm-hmm. I do no, it's un, until dawn is that is the first game that I bought when I bought my PS4, and sure, that yeah. was one of the reasons that I got the PS4 was that game. That was that and Friday the Thirteenth, because I was a backer for that on the Kickstarter, yeah, and I needed to have some kind of big way. I couldn't play it on the PC because my computer was shit, so I bought the PS4, and I, I made sure that I got the copy for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fair, fair. All right, my good, my good is the same as Dave's. It's back for blood. It's phenomenal. The game is pretty much left for dead, but with a card system, which makes it super unique. Every playthrough is different. Like you may mm-hmm. reach the same level and, but it's never the same. And uh, I think got a level level where you don't find any fucking grenades. Yep. Oh baby. <laughs> let, let me buy all of these toolkits. Oh yeah. There's nothing to do with them. I'll just hold or on. Look, look, I, I bought three toolkits. Why are there toolkits everywhere? Why did I buy these? <laughs> I could have just picked them up for free. What I find amazing about this game is building the decks which makes it some sort of like we were talking about this on saturday it's like a rogue light because you have all these cards that you can pick from that enhance mm-hmm. your they adjust your play abilities. style yeah and and you can make multiple decks so for different characters that you might play i play as a medic because i like healing people and i think it's it's fun if i remember to bring along bandages and stuff um yeah it's <laughs> like you play as a medic but i'm the only one running around with first aid kits 
Yeah, give them, just give <laughs> but it. It's, to me. But it's not bad because then you can drop them. He picks them up, right? Yeah. Like, you know, my I usually I play a character who can have more quick items, which are usually like the uh, like the defib or the uh, the the toolkits to open doors or break like go through doors that are uh, like locked or alarmed. And I just tell everybody, don't bother taking those. Like, I've got it covered. And then you guys can carry like ammo packs and stuff like that. So all of a sudden. Eric can build it. Eric doesn't need to take extra ammo cards in his deck. He can just because he can just take an ammo pack like it, there's team like it, you get to yeah. assign your role in the team. Synergy. But then it's also like, you know, my brother keeps going, well, I don't have that card yet. It's like, well, that's great because that means you're going to like you're going to work towards it, something to work towards. And then once you have it, there's still more stuff to work towards. And then once you even like I don't even have all the cards, but once I have all the cards unlocked, it's still going to be like, mm, wait a minute, like that's a cool combo. I haven't tried that yet. Or like whatever like I, i'm there's now cards that like i don't need ammo at all or like i go pure melee or whatever and then you know you can take that into pvp and just get your ass kicked steve i will yeah. say this for you who has not had um bought this game yet or um, mm. if you get xbox game pass and i think you should because it's a dollar mm. um there is a control maze level in uh no in, oh. <laughs> in okay. back for blood um and okay. you have to turn off your music or you're going to get DMCA'd in that. Oh, uh, no. Okay. Nah, we're, we're, everybody's fine so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I haven't gotten DMCA'd, I, so let's go. I'll say one more thing about this game, too, is that I'm the only one who bought, like, I bought the full retail. I actually bought the collector's edition or whatever. It's got the ultimate edition, so I'm going to get all the DLC. The really cool thing about this game is once the DLC hits, the story DLC, that is, is that only one person needs to have it for everybody to play right. as long as they're in the right. game. Which is really nice. It's great. Like you guys are all going to be on Game Pass or whatever. Yeah. You pay like twelve bucks a month, and I paid you know whatever one hundred and fifty bucks or whatever it is for the game. And there's getting more characters and more guns yeah. and stuff like that. It's like payday, yeah. It's great, yeah. That you can jump in because like when you play like I think of a game like Borderlands where you're like, man, it's great. This game is great DLC, but you no can't way. play it though because I bought it and it's like I have to do it alone. But like the fact that we can go through Back for Blood, it's like, hey, we get a whole other chapter or whatever. And I can bring everybody because I'm playing this game with like 13 other people at this point. So I'm uh, a town bicycle. Not to <laughs> not to draw out the back for blood discussion because you I've should. been sitting on it and I've been thinking about it. But so the DLC is going to add extra characters and chapters, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But like which are separate, but they're separate. Okay, okay. So like if I actually just buy the base game, would mm -hmm. I have access to the new characters if no. you're hosting? No. Okay. No. All right. You but I suspect you'll be able to if you want just buy a character, you yeah, won't have to buy like a DLC part. pack. Right. Because I also don't think it's because it's going to skew multiplayer potentially as well, because, you know, new characters always kind of like change the meta of a game. And certain characters are like useless in multiplayer and some are like really powerful and like in the campaign, some are you know better than others, especially in the higher difficulties. So I suspect that they'll just release them individually as well. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Oh. That being I'm said, so you can get on Game Pass for a dollar. Yeah. Also, uh, I'll talk to you guys about that. After. I did. That's one dollar Canadian too, right? I'll buy that, buy that for, really? for a dollar. Yeah, Canadian dollar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay, you're saving okay. like twenty cents. <laughs> Shiny loony. What's also great for all of our listeners um, is that this is cross-platform, so you can play with PS4, totally PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series, whatever. Yes, they're just Xbox Series. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's for everyone, and it's it's phenomenal. It's a fun game, like it's stupid fun. Um, it's so, there's so much replayability. I mean, if you like the gameplay loop, if you liked Left 4 Dead, if you like Left 4 Dead 2, yeah, this game is just like a better version of those. Looks better, runs on a potato. <laughs> it right? literally runs on, runs on anything. It runs, you know, yeah, it, except it, for it runs well too. 
<laughs> um, the um, he's got a PlayStation Four. You can get it on there. That's true. Yeah. We um, this is uh, this is the week leading up to not Halloween. for a dollar. So I'm gonna be streaming more like my spooky. Like I have a spooky setup with the uh, ghosts and stuff. Ooh. Um, but I've been playing nice. Back for Blood with David and occasionally Brent and um, Brittany. So definitely come back on our Twitch channel. We'll be playing it more often. One of the neat things too is that I've got it activated. I, I don't think Eric has it yet, but I've got the overlay from Back for Blood. So you can like, oh, if we get to certain points, you can vote that. on what cards you want me to take when we play. Nobody's been doing that it yet. Activated, but uh, it doesn't take much. Honestly, it doesn't take much. Um, or you can uh, just go through my deck and see like, yeah, or see like, all my cards. abilities and stuff like that. It's I, really I, cool. We'll do it just to look at that. your That's deck. Kind of cool. Yeah. All right. anyway. Hey, quit staring at my deck, Eric. I will. I look at it. It's so big. Um, <laughs> I don't like that. No, no, that's my yuck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I don't. I was gonna put news here, but we seem to have gone a little bit long on the thing. There's not much news. Brendan Fraser has joined the DC universe again. He's gonna be the villain Damn. of the Batgirl movie, which is gonna be neat. Oh, I thought it was the TV show he was joining. Uh, nope, it's the movie. Mm. Oh, cool. So he's uh, you know what news right. we didn't talk about last time. The announcement though was uh, Will Poulter coming in as uh, Adam Warlock in Guardians yep, Three. Yep, we didn't talk about that. We, yeah, we did not discuss that last time. Um, I think that's good. Um, rumor has it that Brandon Fraser is going to be playing um, Firefly, which is you know oh, he's an really? interesting character. Wow. I guess he shoots fire. <laughs> he flies. It'd be a lot funnier if he, he was playing a mummy. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's already <laughs> Robot Man, right? On, uh, yeah. Maybe yeah. Right. Didn't they have a that character from the old Batman TV series, King Tut? Yeah, oh, yeah, no. I remember him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, 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 no. That um, wasn't a racist caricature at all. I'm not sure. Not at all. So we're gonna be talking about Dune. Dune is what we're gonna talk about. The sleeper <gasps> must wake. Like I said at the beginning of the show, Dune is the latest entry oh, in Canadian director Denis Villeneuve's oeuvre. Having burst onto the scene with his 2013 film Enemy, then going on to direct Enemy, Right Hawk? No, Prisoners. Right, Enemy 2, <laughs> Prisoners. Um, I actually haven't seen Enemy. Is it good? Should it I is, watch Enemy? It is good. Yeah. All of okay. his movies seem to be good. All of his movies. That's Jake good. Gyllenhaal, yeah. right? Enemy? Yeah, Enemy. Um, Same with Prisoners. Was Gyllenhaal? I haven't seen Enemy yeah. either, so. Yeah, they're, he's in both, which is amazing. Okay. One was released earlier in 2013, and one was released at the end of 2013. The second one has Hugh Jackman, I believe, is in. Yeah, Prisoners. Yeah, uh, yeah it was Hugh Jackman. Uh, then he directed Sicario in 2015, Arrival in 2016. Great movie. Oh, my God. And then Blade Runner 2049 in 2017. Then the, the years afterwards, he spent doing this, you know, his magnum opus, apparently, so far. Um, the first of two planned movies, but not greenlit second movie. Part one primarily <laughs> focuses on the first half of the book. Set in 10,191, 10, the film follows mm-hmm. Paul Atreides as he and his family, the Noble House Atreides, are thrust into a war for a dangerous desert planet called Arrakis. Um, it's between the native... Also known as Dune. Also known as yeah. Dune. It's between the native Fremen people and the former rulers of Arrakis, the House Harkonnen. Harkonnen. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why. Like, I like like so, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Frank, joke, so <laughs> in the '84 movie, they say Hark Harkonnen, yeah, but it mm-hmm. should be pronounced Harkonnen. It's a, a lot of the names in Dune are from real names. Yeah, Frank Herbert yeah. went through a phone book and looked up this this <laughs> name. He's like, I, he, sorry, he looked up a Swedish phone book to find a cool name for the bad guys, <laughs> and that's what he did. So it's Harkonnen. 
That's um, right. the stuff that's right. also may I point out the year is 10191. Yeah. Not AD. That's like after mm. they discovered FTL travel. So this is like probably 30,000 or 20,000 years in the future. It's not just like, yeah. Um it's yeah. way in the future. I never I never really read any of the we'll talk about our history with Dune in a second. Uh so yeah. Dune part 1. Uh, stars Timothy Chalamet as Paul Atreides, Rebecca Ferguson as Lady Jessica, Zendaya as Chani, Oscar Isaac as Duke Leto, um, Jason Momoa as Duncan Idaho, Stellan Skarsgård as Baron Harkonnen, or Harkonnen? God damn it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Harkonnen. Um, Stephen McKinley Henderson as Thurfer Hawat, um, Josh Brolin as Gurney Halleck, Javier Bardem as Stilgar, Sharon Duncan Brewster as Dr. Liet Kynes. Uh, that's a great um, gender change in the in the movie. Yeah. Um, Chen Chang as Dr. Yue. Dave Batista as Robin. Uh, I'm going to sneeze. The Beast Robin. Um, David Daspalchian as Peter DeVries. And Charlotte Rampling as Reverend Mother Mohayim. Um, there's obviously so many more people in this movie. Like the ensemble is phenomenal. Like I didn't even talk about the 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 head of the house lady like she was great and a bunch of other people shout out names yeah yeah they got like really good actors for roles that kind of didn't require you know what i mean like, they're so but small you, that's what you want for like this type of grand space opera i mean that was the thing that lynch managed to pull off too right like every single role is like filled by like some well you think like why would because like the beast Raban has like two lines in the book yeah, right but so you think, like, why would Dave Batista take this role? And I'm like, well, if I could take perfect any, for it, if I could take any yeah. role in Dune, I would take it, whatever yeah. the role was. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, you would want to be in Dune if you could. Also, he could just, just sit there and growl and it'd be yeah. perfect. And he does. And he's excellent. Yeah, he he <laughs> yeah. no, he's, he's used properly. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously we're going to break down this movie. But before we go into spoiler territory, um, I thought we'd do like uh, a short history of what, like how we know Dune and like give a too long, didn't read short review of dune for people who are just like i don't know if i should see it or not i'm gonna start with dave go dave go okay so i so my history with dune is when i was like i guess 12 or 13 uh i took all my dad's vhs tapes including like alien predator blade runner and like this that was like i just downloaded all the sci-fi from the 70s and 80s directly into my brain over like a weekend um, and Dune would happen to be one of them. And I knew it was a novel, but I didn't care. I was just like, ah, whatever. This is sick, man. I'm like, this is, this is an insane movie, man. Um, and I loved it. I loved like every second. And I still love that movie. Uh, I think that was like one of the weirder cuts because we had like the final or the director's cut of Blade Runner and all this stuff. So uh, and then it's very important. And then I think two years ago was the first time I actually I'd never read the book. I listened to the audiobook because uh, like my. Uh, I don't know what you could like Matt Colville is like the guy I like want to be when I grow up. Yeah. And he's like, he's read Dune every year for like 15 years. He worked on the RPG. He did worked on the card game. So like, I just watched that guy and I just download all that information. I haven't even read the wiki. Um, so when I saw this movie, I have a ton of history when I saw it and I enjoyed it. I, I time felt very slow as I watched this movie and my buddy who had, came with me he'd never he knew nothing about doing i don't even think he knew it was a book and he also enjoyed it so that's good it, that's a good mind because like yeah is, is it gonna be us. yeah because like you're so close to it when you're so yeah, close to yeah. it you're like it's so easy to go like i don't like that i don't like that but like yeah. this movie is if nothing it is gorgeous yeah 
I found uh, I found myself when I was like getting really pulled into the film, like because it's so big. Like I watched it on the biggest screen I could. Um, that's where I felt like time was like nothing. Like I was just floating in this movie. Like it's hard to like it's so beautiful that you're just sort of stuck in like just the vistas. And, I and had the, to pee like, from like maybe like 20 minutes in and it's oh, a two and a half hour oh, movie. Bastard. So time. But I was like, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. And time was just like, fuck. It was just stretched. Like, yeah. like Bilbo says, butter stretched over too much bread. I feel um, yeah. when you have to pee, time slows down. It goes real <laughs> slow. I was like checking my watch. And I'm like, how long was that scene? Uh, no, it's uh, yeah, I, I liked it. I Simple, simple. I like the movie and I think people should see it. I think it's a movie. I think it's Dune for the year 2021. I think this is the movie you would expect to see in this year of, you know, uh, this era of filmmaking. This is what we would expect to see. And we got that. Nice. Hawk. History and TLDR. Uh, so history, um, the 84 movie is my first introduction to it. And that I loved it as a kid and that, but the, again, started picking it apart as an adult, you know, especially when I got more into David Lynch's work and that, and like, you know, found out how much he hated, like the whole process of actually having to make that movie. Um, read the book years later and that I haven't picked it up again though. And that. I only gave it the once through and that, but it was, it's, it's such a solid story in that. And, you know, my interest in the kind of franchise continued on, although I didn't really get into the TV movie movies very much uh, when they came out in 2000 um loved you know <laughs> loved, you know we were discussing Udorowski's Dune and that which was one of my favorite like documentaries ever and that you know there you go um so short TLDR didn't, uh, for this do I describe it or just yeah if you uh, like a little know. one because we're going like to go into one. depth right of course you know but with this movie was it was it was exactly what I was expecting at the end of watching it. I was trying to think to myself, what other director could have done it at this point in time? And I really couldn't think of one because like, you know, Villeneuve has been basically building up to this like throughout his entire career. And that's like mm. the guy knows how to shoot landscapes like crazy. You know, you see like remember in Sicario, those great overhead shots of a helicopter going over mm. the Mexican desert or rivaled with a huge vista and seeing that, that shape and that. And like he's got this thing. He knows how to show immense things on uh, on a screen, you know, in a very realistic way. And he's great at blending practical and computer effects together in a way like you know a lot of people should be taking notes on i was uh listening to his interview on the cbc uh probably like two or three days ago and he was talking about how a lot of those dream sequences with zendaya um he did not plan for these shots and then when they got to the desert he was like oh shit i know what i'm gonna do and he just did it on the whim he just got her and was like i'm gonna film like different shots of your arms and like just you looking off in the vista or turning around and shit and he like Beautiful close-ups on her face, you like know. That, that's a guy. He said he he got the book at fourteen, and he's been wanting to do it since then. He's now fifty-four, fifty, yeah, fifty-four-ish. Um, so you know, forty years to to do his dream. That's amazing. But you're right. Yeah. His vistas are I, spectacular. Just yeah. Uh, good. Yeah, I'm all good. All right, Steve. History TLDR. Oh dear. Uh, oof, oof, I've had a lot of whiskey. Uh, so my friend from across the street, uh, who uh, likes to um, 
likes to bug me. He uh, he dragged me into his place to watch Dune, and he was a Dune fan, so he'd read it all. So he was able to stop and explain all the ASMR voiceovers in the original 1984 Dune, so I could appreciate uh, the scope and the setting, which uh, you know obviously doesn't totally come across in 1984. But I will say, in all the years since, uh, it's a movie that left an impression on me, um, and uh, I, I quote it constantly. And uh, and even with 1984, you could tell, even though the movie, like as much as I'm a fan of it, not a good movie, doesn't work, but you could tell there was something there. And that's why it's a cult movie, right? It's a cult movie because you could tell that there was something behind it, you know, driving it. It's not and, yeah, like parts of it are right. You know what I mean? Like parts of it. Yeah. Yeah. Lynch was the right director in that he could do prophecy and dream really well. I mean, that's mm. that's some of the things that he's very good at subconscious cerebral things, right? But um, you know, we'll might get into it a little bit later. There were a we lot will. of decisions that were made uh to make it more mainstream and and you know, anyway. So it it it's it's a uh an exquisite failure. Um, in any case, the movie followed me and then I eventually I got really excited for the Dune 2000 TV series. And yeah, I've always been a fan of Dune and, and it's funny that I'll be the first to bring it up. But, uh, you know, I played the Dune video game, which was then followed by Dune 2, which was the grandfather of RTS, I believe. And mm-hmm. uh, and, and all the iterations of that uh, that followed. So I, I just love Dune. Uh, I've got the video game soundtracks and all that sort of thing. And and of course, you know, because for a whole year and a half, I've been going on about Warhammer 40K. I'm I'm absolutely aware that Warhammer 40K owes almost its entire existence to Dune. Uh, so, of course, yes, yes, I appreciate that Herbert managed to create uh, a setting that envisioned things that were, you know, really uh, expansive and just super far into the future and families and all these sorts of political things. So, yeah, so Dune has been a, a big movie. Uh, so getting to the movie. Um, only just saw it on saturday and i want to give it a few days because as a few of us are very close to dune and can appreciate that want to be careful with our opinions <laughs> i have to say though one of the things that i've been thinking since we're just doing the tilde tilde r is as i was watching it i was like is this the 2001 of our generation because the movie like, this is the thing, right? I, I, I'm too close to the subject matter, so I don't want to declare something like that. But I feel that this is a movie, regardless of how it does, uh, will have an impact on cinema. And for those who see it, will be impacted by it. So my tilde is, you should see the film on an IMAX if possible. Don't bother with fucking... 3D, don't, don't worry about that. 3D was uh, pretty good, actually. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, well, pretty good. I, I, I saw it on IMAX and I really liked it on IMAX. I don't know. Okay, so yeah, okay, so ignore what I just said about 3D. I just think <laughs> IMAX was amazing though because Villeneuve really took advantage of the the wider screen for everything that was shot, like in terms of scenery and uh, and the sound. Of course, is like you know the score and everything is crazy. It's the loudest movie I've ever been to. Yes, do do be careful of that. I have heard I've seen a lot of comments with people having headaches and things like that, but. I will say uh, the IMAX presentation was excellent. And yeah, even if you don't like this film, I think it is. Yeah, see, I don't want to declare it, but I do kind of feel it is a moment in cinematic history. It is at the very least a movie to experience. So try to experience it the way it's meant to be. Uh, That's my. I like it. Uh, Steve, just to go off your Dune 2 video game thing. Did you know you can play that online in a browser? (laughs) I just found out. 
That's I haven't done it yet. Yeah, I looked it up I, after the movie. I went home and I looked it up. I was like, can I play Dune 2000 or Dune 2 somehow? And yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a kind of abandoned wear project that yeah. like obviously the community has built. So there is a way <laughs> and I'm going to look into it. I'll probably yeah. will stream it. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So, yeah. All right, Chelsea, you're next. Okay, so so for me, this this was pretty cool because um, my history with Dune is non-existent. I have no... With two of them! Two of them on here! <laughs> Yeah, I have Heretics. none. I, I and and to come into something like to come into something that and I agree with Steve 100. Like this, this was this was huge for me. Like just watching this, this movie blew my mind. And to come into it completely fresh, knowing nothing about the story, never seeing any of the story before, never reading the book, and and going into it and seeing like a Lord of the Rings style movie or or like a Star Wars when everyone else already sort of knows something about it, or already has their opinions and their feelings on it. Um, it, it was incredible. And, and I had, I had a, a, an amazing time just sort of getting soaked into the story, the narrative, the characters. I, I had no idea what to expect, what it was about. I knew there was going to be some big worms. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't know much, much else of what to, to expect, but it was, it was gorgeous. It was a beautiful, beautiful movie. And, uh, and I've only seen it once so far, but I definitely want to see it again because, um, I feel like there's stuff, there was so much going on yeah. that I, I just want to appreciate all of those little moments, uh, in that film. Um, but yeah, uh, that, that's my TLDR, like for somebody coming in fresh, um, it's quite the experience. This, this makes me excited because we were talking about it, like before we started this episode, we're like, we hope we have people that don't know anything about dude. And now, now we have two speaking of two Brent. Yeah, like my my experience with this uh, with the with uh, Dune goes all the way back to four thirty this afternoon when I first sat down to watch this movie. Uh, I've never seen anything Dune related before. I didn't even know the story. I knew nothing going into this. I didn't even know about oh, that's the amazing. Um, I mean, like it's it's the only thing I knew about it going in was was the cast of the movie. Make it sound um, like the worms are like this really big plot point, though, right? Where it's like, well, you gotta listen. If you don't know Dune, you gotta know about the worms. Right. Well, I wanted to know who was playing the worm. He brought up the worms. <laughs> I'm making a counterpoint to the. I'm, I'm adding to the. To it, was, the it was good casting, show, so It was very good casting. Yeah, they did a great job. <laughs> I assume D. Bradley Baker did the sounds. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Brent. Continue. <laughs> So, yeah, so going into it, I mean, I'm coming in with absolute fresh eyes. I know nothing about the story or anything like that. And I'm, I, I'm not going to I'm probably not going to swoon over it as much uh, as far as like how grandiose it was and everything like that. I mean, like I, I see the comparisons that people would make if you're coming into a fresh being like the first time you watch Star Wars. And and but I don't feel like I was behind the ball, the eight ball in Star Wars. Like when I saw that, no one really in my world was talking about it at the time. So coming into this, it is a little bit of a different experience where everyone is talking about it and everybody yeah. is gushing about it. And I'm seeing it for the first time. And it didn't like, I mean, it's not pulling me in the way that it did with you guys, but as far as like an actual like movie experience, like, and like a cinematic experience, it was absolutely beautiful. Um, just, and it's one of those few movies where like, uh, I, I, Probably at one point looked down at my watch to see like, okay, so how, you know, like how long is the movie? How far into it am I? I've probably got about an hour and a half to go. And I'm like, oh shit, there's only 15 minutes left. Like that literally just flew by. Yeah. You and didn't have like, to be. I did have to get up and go have dinner midway through the movie though. But um, 
but no that's the sign of a good movie for me is is the fact that like if it's a two and a half hour movie and it feels like 20 minutes i'm like you got me hooked mm-hmm. so that's awesome um so i'm gonna do mine um my history with it i saw 84 when i was way too young and it scared me and i don't really remember it so i don't think i ever finished it when i was a little kid i did end up getting the book um when i was like 13 or 14 wait uh, this is a 1990 cover so i probably got it a little bit afterwards i got it you know from our library let's see the cover um, i think i got that that copy this one yeah that's it's very yeah, that's the one popular I got. one um yeah i have that one too i got it probably like early 90s so i read it and i thought it was phenomenal i didn't go back to the movie because it was harder to find movies back then you had to go to like a I know a jumbo video or something and my parents weren't gonna get me dune <laughs> black blockbuster blockbuster or whatnot um, that's entertainment in st Catharines. um but nice. uh we uh <laughs> we ended up um when i got to university in 2000 that's when the miniseries came out and i just fucking gobbled it up and i loved it i i loved the sci-fi miniseries i thought i thought that uh three-part series and then later on children of dune a couple years later were really good. Um, I only I've only read a couple of the books, the first three, which is pretty much Dune and Children of Dune put together, like those two miniseries. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, but I I know a lot of the history and stuff just out of reading so much about it. I I really want to read the other books. I just haven't had a chance. I did listen to the 2006 audiobook that Dave had. Uh, talked did about. you? Okay, you said okay. So when you say other books, you mean like the the sequels. Like, tr- the trilogy or like the six, like the seven or yeah, I, no, anything, after, six. anything after the third book. I didn't read because I also I read the prequels that Kevin yeah. J. Anderson and, and Brian Herbert, uh, yeah. the, I think the second, the oldest son uh, yeah. did. And I loved them. Those yeah. are like some good, like sci fi. I heard that. Um, and I think it's kind of rough. I don't know. I I, okay. I I think I have audiobooks of them, but um, I will check them out eventually. I, I read a lot about it, obviously, but I do. I I, I loved it. Um. Talking about this film, I think it's I think it's phenomenal. There are three films in my life right now that I can like you, you listen to people talk about them seeing Star Wars in nineteen seventy seven for the first time. And um my first time feeling that way was The Matrix. Paw Patrol uh, the movie. <laughs> Paw Patrol the movie is really good. Um, <laughs> it's actually really good. But in nineteen ninety nine, when I saw The Matrix, it sort of blew my mind like being in that group. And seeing that experience for the first time. And then like a year or two later, you saw Fellowship of the Ring. And again, it was like these two movie experiences were something that I'll remember forever because it changed cinema for me. And it changed cinema for a lot of people. And it actually just changed cinema for the whole industry. And then now we have Dune. And it, it's the same feeling I got when I saw those two films. And nothing really compares in between. Um, definitely go see this on the biggest and loudest screen. Maybe not the loudest screen, but definitely the biggest yeah. screen. Um, depending on your ears but the biggest screen, yeah I agree. it's super loud and i've i've watched it two or three times since i initially saw it on thursday and watching it with subtitles is way <laughs> way easier for, it's interesting yeah because yeah. yeah, there's a sure. lot yeah. the sound design is phenomenal but there's a lot of overlapping audio so yes. you you miss different things that are being said especially in visions that you see in um that they the characters see in the in the the film All right. this is also a movie the more you watch it the more you will pick up yes yeah it's, it's very loaded and even with the subtitles which is nice to have uh one minor detail is the subtitles will actually indicate what language because there are many languages mm-hmm. in the film and those are subtle details which you'll pick up on using subtitles so 
Yeah. So let's um let's break this down. It's not spoiler territory yet because we're just going to talk about some art design, sound design, visual influences, and definitely the music of Hans Zimmer. Let's talk about uh, the visual designs of the film, like how the film looked, like the art design and stuff, all the ships and all the way it was shot. Let, who wants to jump into it? I know Hawk. You you're looking to <laughs> go for Hawk. I was surprised how much I compared this movie visually to the 84 version in that tale you know, sure, in terms yeah. of like a lot of set and costume design, like the still suits and that. I think they really yeah. like the 84 version really influenced the design of those. Do you like the new still suits? Because I don't. I do. I okay do. They're the the gloves they wear are just like off the shelf Oakley gloves. And I'm like, that drives me insane. <laughs> I, like, I, have that, a, I have a pair of those. I want like I'm like. I'm like, I don't like that because like they're supposed like not spoiler storyline wise, though. Those are custom made, custom fitted to people. Yeah. Like it shouldn't just be like, ah, just take a glove, put it on. No, no, no. Like, and I'm sure they spent a lot of friggin' money on that stuff. But like that. And I saw it in the trailer. And I'm like, oh, that irked me so much. But it was just like, yeah, here's an off the shelf thing. <laughs> it's Go like seeing it. it's seeing like a Gillette razor as a communication device. Yeah. That yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But because yeah. like they sh- they're cool ish, but like I think the eighty four ones like actually fit the setting better, and they you know I don't know maybe they're not as cool, but I don't know. Do you want to continue, was, Hawk? Was... On, on any uh, of that? <laughs> <laughs> you seem sort of stunned at this. He doesn't like the gloves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're nerds. Out the Oakley reference. I was like, oh, we, we need okay. some controversy in this I episode. To, for I sure. need to see what these gloves look like because I sort of want to pair now. Um, that's the well, I'll get them. But that's the maddest thing I am about anything. Just. <laughs> that's it. Okay. Yeah. Um, as far as everything else, it was the ship, the way they the ship design and that. And I know like the Uderoski Dune is probably like a big influence on that. But yeah. Yeah. like seeing it on screen and that, like how how like one bigger ship in that is like housing smaller ships in that for long interdimensional travel and that and then like just like seeing them like hit hit the surf hit the atmosphere of a planet and then like you know do those dead drops like in the battle and that uh that on arrakis the um i like that how different houses had different looking ships they weren't all just like generic yeah. um i like very much how the hark harkonnen oh my god i'm Keep on saying Harkonnen. Harkonnen. Just say it the old way. Say it the old way. The Har- a Harkonnen animal. The Harkonnen designs <laughs> are very, <laughs> like everything with them, like the designs of the characters, their ships, their the planet that they're on, very much look like H.R. Geiger's work, which mm-hmm. is what uh, Yudorovsky's yeah. doing. Yeah, I'll, I'll very, go into that. Very designed. Like, the I, Spacing I Guild was always like the BDSM goth group, right? And they're the ones <laughs> that actually send people through space, whereas everyone else, you think it would be like a personal style. Yeah. Like, of course, like the people, like, you know, they say air power and sea power, right, on Caladan. Well, that's going to look different than Gady mm-hmm. Prime, which is a totally, it's a different planet. Yeah, it should be so, different. So my question is then, so when we're on like the planet of... um. Ah, you guys are gonna have to fill me on the, my name. Which, which we're house? on the desert planet. That's Arrakis. You can just say Dune. Um, okay. um, now is that like all of the structures that are built because that was originally like the Harkonnen were were uh, mining there? Because like the thing that I loved the most was like you know we're talking about the set design and that was the architecture yes. of the buildings and the ships on that planet because mm-hmm. they're all very like. Egyptian pyramid like, which oh, yeah. fits right. perfectly mm-hmm. on a desert plane. Even the which is weird because when like the pyramids were built, Egypt wasn't a desert. <laughs> David, why do you have to complicate? <laughs> okay, who invited so, him? David, it's not just that. I get Eric it, did like, two years ago. 
it's not just a pyramid design but it also like how it's adorned with iconography from around the yeah. planet and that like yeah. there's this yeah. like kind of a gold looking like you know headpiece and that that's you know paying yeah. homage to the sandworms and that it's just like you know it was yeah, everything I mean, it makes sense. I mean, you're on a planet. There's there's dust storms. Even in the protected area, you have plenty of dust. Like we know what dust does to stuff. Constantly wearing it down. And I think you build it out of big, thick stone. Pyramids, of course, make sense. They're the most. That's how you stack things easily, right? Like yeah, the height. Yeah, I noticed that. Even like Like, even like the carrying. Yeah, but even like the carrying ships that they had that were like destroyed during the battle, and that like even they have like that kind of iconography to them. Like they have that that yeah. stone designed to them and it's almost like every planet has their own individual look and i love that about it at some point we'll probably talk about jodorowsky's doing a bit but he talk uh, about specifically hired artists to handle specific factions you know and i feel like that maybe that was something that did get translated into the current dune and yeah uh, i mean david can correct me on this because i think he probably will he will but- um yeah. <laughs> the uh the rights to harvest spice and provide it to the empire is a mm-hmm. contract it's a chome contract which yeah, is the chome company yeah that, that is outside of the scope of the film but it's it's, part of it's, it's yeah corporate, but it's a thing to keep contract. people it's to keep things in balance because if one person gets too rich then the movie happens that's what happens is somebody got too rich yeah so the emperor gets to assign a particular house a a particular length of contract and that's it's supposed to be 100 years okay and and that's how they keep balance because everybody gets gets a turn basically right yeah all the great houses i think get a turn maybe not the lower houses yeah so by no so that's a very good question brent um no that that actually should not be harkonnen architecture that should have been stuff that had been established on the planet through this whole process i assigning. Like I thought, no, it, I thought it was, one of the a, cool things about Dune, just like the universe in general, is how lived in it is. It's kind of like yeah. Star Wars, where like like you get to points like, hey, this is like old tech. Like, what the hell are we doing? Like, this is you know, we're getting left with garbage. We need good stuff. And as that planet would have changed hands, you would have people being yeah, like, okay, we need updated. to upgrade. Like, we can't. This is a hundred year old spaceship. Fuck, we need to get in some new yeah. spaceships in here. That's gonna cost us some fucking money. So it's gonna be yeah. a bit piecemeal. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And just like I mean, they talked about the the trees, right? That was something yeah. that Offworlders brought in, right? Uh, and and in the other versions of Dune or in the books, they mentioned like there's a garden that Offworlders created, right? Obviously, a ridiculous expenditure of water, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. for no purpose other than to have a piece of home, right? But uh, that's that's part of it is that all the people who rule Dune are actually transients. They're never people from Dune. They're always people yeah. assigned to Dune. Yeah, so the Fremen are the actual like indigenous, indigenous people to do and you have to remember too that like this is humanity like there's no aliens in dune it's all humans which is not something they say in the movie but you don't see any aliens i don't know if that's a spoiler but like there's no <laughs> aliens there's plenty of sci-fi things where there's no aliens right um but go ahead go ahead oh, it's the interesting thing about how the way he shot like a lot of these characters in this film and that like you can really easily identify like you know where each like family is from and that based on their look and that the the, the harkonnens that they they look completely different from like you know the people of kaladin and that yeah. and uh same with the 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 sardaukar and that you know they they I, look i think different. that comes from the fact that this is supposed to be a feudal society which is not told to us it's kind of shown and in a feudal society like you have you know like what he says at one point he's like the beginning of the movie it's not a spoiler it's like hey you gotta you gotta be dressed and he's like oh man i gotta wear formal she's like no ceremonial 
like that's going to look different if you're you know if are you bavarian or are you moldavian or are you you know whatever part of the holy roman empire you're in you're going to wear something different to represent your people and it's the same thing in dune it's like they have different outfits they might even have because it's also like it's not just like a culture of like a house you're talking about the culture of a planet interacting with the culture of a world like we have how many different cultures on earth yeah and it's one planet. So you imagine like how many different cultures are going to be on thousands of planets? Yeah. yeah. Thousands of years in the future? This was one of the reasons why I think Dune had a big impact on me. This is sort of adding to what I was saying before, was the whole concept of entire worlds that were built around a particular philosophy or, or, or political mm-hmm. element. Yeah. I and mean, this is the reason why I like, like Dark Side from like DC, for instance, right? Like Apocalypse, like the concept of a whole world built around like this cult of personality. Uh, but Dune did it first. Right. I mean, Giddy Prime. Yeah, obviously, we look at we look at that and we say, oh, it's kind of gross and evil. It's the bad crazy. guys must be bad. It's dark there. And it's, it's just wet. a it's <laughs> different <laughs> political philosophy. Yeah. Right. And and this is one of the things that I like about Dune. That's not necessarily for everybody. But in the book, um, you know, what I draw from it is the political sort of elements of the Atreides philosophy to life and and, you know, uh, nobility versus the Harkonnen sort of pragmatic you know, uh, uh, exploitation, yeah. exploitation of power. Right. And, uh, and, right. and, and mm-hmm. that's the thing, like, and, and I mean, one comment, you know, I'll just make early is, uh, I really like the way the Baron was portrayed in this movie because in the 84 version, they made him into kind of a cartoon supervillain. Like he was just this gross, like laughing. He kind of is act, in the right? book though, too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To be fair though, but to be fair, he monologues though, in the book. But, but he monologues in a way that's intelligent and conniving, right? Mm. Which is more in tune with Skellen Starsguard version, right? Because that was the thing that I was going to say is the Harkonnen, as grim and as dark and as brutal as they are, they, they're purposeful. They're not just doing it to be evil. They, be, they truly believe in the right to power, right? And um, that was the thing that I liked that. Yeah, okay. 84, it's very entertaining because the guy does a really good job, okay? Yeah. Yeah. But that's to me, I feel that the Harkonnen, the TV series Harkonnen guy was much more uh, well-spoken. And I feel that that is actually a little closer yeah. because I feel that, that the Baron Harkonnen is not a maniac. He's very, oh, he's incredibly intelligent. He's incredibly intelligent. So he's not just some, this gross monster, right? Like he's, he's very thoughtful because that's just the world he grew up on. Anyway, yeah. so we're going to bring it back. My point is, <laughs> uh, yeah, Brent or bring it all the way back to Brent. Yeah, I really like the all comes the back architecture. Here. <laughs> I really like the architecture, especially that point when like Lido was like looking through like, you know, like the peephole and seeing like the flashing communication and stuff like that. Yeah. Like these are things that would happen in a desert castle, right? Like something where like the daytime is too hot, right? That just just those little little details I really, really liked about like, yeah, the uh, architecture. I want to go back off off the yeah, architecture because um if we look at house atreides um and dave correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure that that house uh is descended uh from greeks right they're they're supposed to be from Ag- so agamemnon is that right? yeah it weirdly they didn't mention that because it's like a big thing but they the they specifically draw their lineage back to agamemnon which is the house of atreus which is why they're called atreides yeah. or Atreides. um and they're well that's why like it's sort of weird when you look at casting sometimes you're like why is kyle mclaughlin like great he was, yeah. i loved him as paul but like He'd, this is a this is a mediterranean family olive skinned yeah, skin, yeah. Like, why, like like oscar, oscar isaac, isaac is great casting yeah. perfect casting and then you're like 
Oh, I don't know if Timothy Shalom like he because you get Chalamet looks okay, like, but you get Rebecca Ferguson, right? He looks like Ferguson, he could right? be their She's kid. Pale. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I'm Mixing thinking he looks together. like he could be their kid. But when Paul is described, he's got green eyes. He's got yeah. you know like a darker sure. skin. He's he, the hair is right. The hair is so. Dead for those who know Dune, we should maybe keep spoilers. In okay, yeah, yeah, we'll keep regarding um, Ferguson and Chalamet. Yeah, yeah. Just leave that out. So let's 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 talk about the. So we talked about a lot of the art design, although shows. I don't know if you wanted to jump in there before we move on to maybe sound design and, and music. You mean specifically the, the, the um, art design and how everything is what like you the, the world. Like, is it, is now like a good time to mention, like you had put it in the notes about like practical filming locations, which I think really made a yeah, difference. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Right. Like, like everything nowadays is filmed in front of a green screen, right? Like everything. And, and, you know, it, it takes us back to like an older time in cinema where you would go to a, a practical location and film and it did not ha- like everything looked so realistic because of how they, they filmed it. And I remember looking at some of the, um, uh, like I, I follow uh, Jason Moa on Instagram and he posts Ooh, a bunch it. of like behind the scenes kind of pictures. <laughs> Uh, but he posts a bunch of behind the scenes pictures of, of some of the cast just sort of hanging out and stuff like out in the desert. And it's like, yeah, they're, they're out in the desert. They're making a movie, you know, and they're, and they're, they're there, they're in the heat they're, And so it, it's, it kind of brings that, um, the acting to life a little bit more too. And when, when they're actually experiencing the dust, they're experiencing the heat. Um, and, and, and so like as, as part of that sort of visual design of the movie, um, I think, I think that plays an important role in, in, in the way that they made everything look. Yeah, they had three main shooting locations. Uh, for the uh, Caladan, they they shot in Norway, which right. gorgeous vistas and presumably in summer it seemed right, like yeah, maybe yeah. fall, but definitely not winter. Like it no, was all no. green, which it is Caladan. Caladan's yeah. a green planet, yeah. right? Like, uh, and then for Arrakis, because they needed both sand and rocky type um, desert, they did Abu Dhabi and Jordan as their main shooting locations for those two. And God, it looks. Looks perfect. Um, I'm going to bring That's this great. back to Star Wars. <laughs> but um, uh, Ewan McGregor was saying how, like, for the prequel films, they shot a lot of it against green screen. And it, it was a yeah. detriment to a lot a of lot? the actors. Most of it. Um, <laughs> the detriment of the actors, right? But he's shooting the Obi-Wan. He's shooting the Obi-Wan film right now. And they're doing it a, way more like The Mandalorian, oh, where they're good. doing actual locations the volume. or the volume. So I could see Dune being done on the volume and that would probably work really well as well. I right? think he likes flying places. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, why not? Steady. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with Shouse. Like everything, because it's there, it helps the actors way better. Um, Rebecca Ferguson talked about how moving to these places was just job jaw dropping and really mm-hmm. like, you know, help them, especially when they're shooting the sand, uh, the worm. I know I can hear you. The um the worm <laughs> scenes like she'd just be like yeah this this area is amazing. I think I would compare that the kind of vistas they do in this to the Lord of the Rings like the Peter Jackson film where it's just like let's get the actors out there let's get a helicopter yeah, yeah. let's get some amazing shots and I think a lot of the shots where there aren't actors is the only time we get CGI right when you just see a spaceship of course it's CGI they didn't send us a camera into space right. But he would have. Well, not with that attitude. He probably would have. But are you sure? But like, and then like dust. You know, like it's a desert planet. There's dust. Like I'm sure a lot of that CGI. Mm -hmm. Like especially when there's again no actors on screen because there's plenty of shots of spaceships because it's a sci-fi movie. It's cool. Um, and I, it looks 
so good. It looks, yeah. I said on Twitter, I'm like, this makes me want to go to an art gallery for Dune. Yeah. Because mm, somebody enough, made yeah. like, not just like the beautiful, obviously photographs they've made, but also the idea like someone made art, like, like mm-hmm. people also forget like CGI is like artists make this stuff. And you could buy well, a coffee table book. When, oh when you God. get the right guys, yes. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that point. And not to be sort of, you know, Stevie about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, this is a movie where they, they got the appropriate people who really cared about what they were doing. And, and so I just wanted to add a fun point to something that Shouts was saying. Um, just as a reference to 1984, it's kind of funny, but there are uh, some accounts that uh, Patrick Stewart, who was in the 1984 Dune, uh, is Gurney Halleck. Mm. Uh, it's my guarantee. His quotes, his quotes of <laughs> doing that project was, of course, because it's Patrick Stewart. Uh, he loved the experience of being brought out into the desert, you know, like this, this whole like, yes, this is amazing, you know, like just to be there, you know, to actually be part of that experience. And Sting, who is a character who has not been introduced into the nope. new Dune yet, uh, absolutely hated it because, you know, sand gets in all the places and yeah, stuff yeah that's actually yeah. really funny that that's yeah of course really and rough. of course <laughs> and sting and he actually sti- he, he, so go ahead and sting is a prick so yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he, well it's good because he played a prick in the 84 movie yeah yeah, yeah. He did yeah i just have to say he's great casting <laughs> great casting like patrick stewart and sting for those two particular characters that's amazing <laughs> but yes yeah, absolutely i think the uh, on-site location shooting Especially with Caladan and and um, I mean, I guess I'll probably bring this up a bit more. Having watched the 2000 TV series and grown up on 84, it's very interesting to compare and contrast the emphasis and what's what was shot, you know, as to how to develop the story. And they spent a lot more time on Caladan. I think that was uh, very useful and especially uh, shooting in um, Norway. Was it that you said? No. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think that was really good to set that as a sort of a home homeland it makes me want um, to go and, to norway it's very pretty yeah, for sure for sure yeah mm-hmm. i actually thought it was iceland originally because it, like, it yeah. was but mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah um uh what was i gonna say oh um we should definitely talk about the sound design and the the music of hans zimmer um they're sort of handy the music hand. was so good um but I, i'm gonna be honest the last couple i don't i want to say since dark knight his loud droning noise really bothered me mm-hmm. in trailers that we heard that was very prevalent. We've, we've talked I don't think about it's his music. fault. It's in the trailer though. No, right. Like he just makes the music yeah. and then, and then they got reused over and over again. But yeah. like, I, that's not saying that I don't like Hans Zimmer. I think he's, he's, he's Oh, he's one of the, he's one of the best. He's amazing. And if you haven't seen his 2017, a live concert on Blu-ray, it's phenomenal. Mm. Phenomenal. Oh, wow. Um, his music is so good. Um, in this movie. And, the design that he like just integrating with the sound design, like the sound effects, especially the gum Jabbar scene, like is probably one of my favorite. Now my, one of my, I love that scene anyway, but seeing that, seeing that on the big screen and with that music and that sound design, like just, I was sitting there so giddy. I was on the edge of my seat because that's the feeling you get in that scene. Um, I am going to overly, overly gush over the battle music that he mm-hmm. created for this the just the mixture of like the heavy bass beats beating down with like the very scottish feel to the music with the bagpipes coming in and it was just like unbelievable that mixture yeah and the choral music too like the vocals oh. that they would add into a lot of the songs yeah he um he Incredible. talked about how um he was mixing different 
ethnic cultures, and you can hear a lot of the differences in, especially once you get to to Arrakis. Like he he wanted to use a lot of Middle Eastern influences right. in the music and sound design, and like it's there. You can you can definitely hear it and see it. See it. You can't see the sound design. I don't know why I said that. I can. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, Hawk, I know you're a really big sound and music person. Sorry, I was just looking up some stuff. Um, yeah, I know a lot of people, you know, got kind of sick of the, the the droning noise and that. But for some reason, it seemed perfect in that, especially in considering like you know these massive ships and like you know flight and you know intergalactic flight and that. And you know the fact that I, um, if I'm correct in that, like he, you know Hans Zimmer got really into modular synthesis and that when he was like designing that particular noise, mm-hmm. which it, it was always kind of appealing to me. I I'll say something. Because this movie does have a lot of like very quiet scenes. Um, mm-hmm. And I would like if in the space scenes th- there was no droning. It was just silent. And I think that would like um, I was just watching somebody talk about the thing. And you know how in the thing you like near the end of the movie, it goes dun dun. And you just and you realize yeah, oh, there hasn't yeah. been music for 60 minutes of this movie. Yeah. Like, I feel like the thing, and I mean, I guess, you know, this is an aesthetic choice. This is like my opinion. This is an opinion. Yeah, it's a minimalist approach. Yeah, Right. It's like, man, you could really like drive home some stuff with that. And they didn't. They wanted to keep, you know, their sound. And that's fine. But I think they could. There there was a part in the movie where they did. And I'm going to try to avoid spoilers here. But there was a there was a a one on one kind of fight near the end of the movie where I noticed completely removed music. Yep. Like completely. And, And these two characters are fighting. And and it, it actually made it seem more intense because it wasn't like, you know, um, that's good because I have opinions on why it's not intense. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, conflict. <laughs> conflict is good. I mean, this is what, you know, it is, yeah, he's right, though. Like that is it does. It does heighten the, the choice. choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Choice. I mean, we get so used choices. to hearing music in those types of scenes. Right. And then when you take it yeah. away, it's like, yeah. hold on. Now I'm noticing something I don't normally notice. Could someone do me a favor on the internet and go ahead and take that scene and put the Star Trek battle music between Kirk and Thorn? Please. Phenomenal. Oh my God. I wonder if somebody's done it for the 84 film. That'd be amazing. Uh, I love him. I'm you sure can't ask the right. internet to do that because all the internet's going to do is add the Benny Hill theme to it. That's oh, fine. No. That would be hilarious. Okay. <laughs> Just sandworms going. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh my god! All right. So Steve, before yep. I forget what I was going to say, uh, <laughs> holy crap! Steve I thought we were right. going to stay serious. It's Dune. <laughs> um, music. Yes, yeah, doing very serious business. Yeah, I, I was going to say, uh, I found out that Zimmer that did not actually um, listen to any of other previous stuff, I mm. guess, when he was designing his own. But I find it kind of interesting because I felt when I was listening to it, there, there were some hints of the Eno like elements. But I think it's probably because they were both going for this Middle Eastern sort of attempt. And I know? thought and it was more have... of the 2000 one than the 1984 one. Sure. No, no. 2000 has a great soundtrack. I, you know, yeah. for all we're, if we say anything about the 2000 TV series. Which it's has phenomenal. flaws. Uh, it has very good music. Uh, it has very good music. So, uh, yeah. yeah, no, I, I was wondering about that because there were some things. I mean, when we get to the visuals, uh, oh, actually, I guess we already talked about we it. We did. I was going to say the still suits, <laughs> I feel like possibly were an homage to Lynch's. But in particular, this was a weird little detail. This made me just me. And I don't know if it's true or not. But Yodorowsky, uh famously, uh, if you watch the movie, but this is not a spoiler, he was able to bring H.R. Uh, Geiger into yeah. his fold for the 
for I his potential. Yes, I know. But just to <laughs> just to end, underline that detail, uh, he was the one who brought H.R. Geiger into film because un, un, up until that point, H.R. Geiger had actually just been just doing his weird shit, you know, and just, just having fun with making furniture and whatever. And uh, he was not involved in films. Um, so Yorowski totally seduced him into designing specifically the Harkonnen look yep. of the movie for his version. And um Jodorowsky had designed some of the designs might have actually existed even into the Lynch version, but one of them was the the capital of Gidi Prime, the home planet of Harkonnen, which was literally just a giant statue of the Baron, just this giant like bulbous <laughs> yep. building with like a head on it and arms on the side, and like the mouth would have had like a tongue that rolled out as like a, a landing didn't pad. Didn't it just... also go over? Like, didn't the job yeah. come out? Totally grotesque, yeah. ridiculous thing. Okay, but like so awesome, right? But the thing is, um, the building um, in Gidi Prime, which they only show for three seconds, is this like orb. And I couldn't help but thinking, is that actually a reference to that or not? Like, I don't know. Like, I'm just connecting. I think it's just that spheres are such efficient shapes and the Harkonnens are all about efficiency, right? Well, that's just it, right? Like, either we can argue whether or not just spheres in general are like the best sort of shape or it just it it could have been a coincidence. But I, I couldn't help but kind of think that because even the long shot of it, had kind of like spine like looking elements like moving towards the horizon, you know. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm probably attaching some things to it. Anyway, uh what the hell was I talking about? Yeah, the music. I thought the music had some Middle Eastern tones, which <laughs> no, for sure. I had you originally have thought to very it's, yeah, it's an inherently yes. like we're led to in the book, in the movies, we know the Fremen are like the descendants of an Arabic culture. Yeah. Right? Like that is a hundred percent. Their religion is based somewhat around a form of Islam that obviously it's evolved. You know, that's the cool thing about Dune is they've got different religions, but they've evolved together. And that's something they don't talk about in the movie, but like how like the religions are affected. We'll but probably get into it in the next film. They, and, not, yeah. and like it makes sense. You're a desert culture. You're going to adapt. You're humans. You're going to adapt. Who's lived in the desert the longest, yeah. right? Like we, you know, we have the Bedouin people. So like. Like, even if you just took, like, any other ethnic group and put them there, eventually they're going to, if they're going to adapt, they're going to become like like so, that, right? They're going to become yeah. like those people. And so I found it very interesting, and Eric can confirm this, that all three films, whether they were related or referencing each other or not, really, like, uh, that. drew that essence. Yeah, yeah really pulled that For element sure. out in their music. So, I, I, yeah. What was great? The, ab- yeah. Sorry, Hawk, do you want to go? So, uh, yeah, regarding re- the religious Middle Eastern element in that, I think it's more specifically the quali music uh, mm-hmm. that comes comes out of the Middle East in that. It's like very devout, very religious music in that. But also it's like kind of it's really phenomenal because like the singers uh, that perform it in that have mastered this like technique of like circular breathing in that where, so that they can mm-hmm. carry these like big notes and do these huge like, you know, kind of scales up and down in that for like what can be sometimes like hours. Well, wow. uh, uh, what? Dave, sorry, my brain is is tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, what 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 are the name of the Emperor's Blades? God, oh. the Emperor's Blades. What the, do you the, mean? The, the, oh, the, the so the the Sardaukar. Yeah, Sardaukar. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna go to the music in that in that sequence because oh sure, a yeah, lot of that yeah. was like we see three distinct cultures so far. We saw the Fremens, we saw them. Um, the Harkonnens don't really have their own music, which is sort of they have a weird mixture of it's kind of quieter which i like it, it, it's a little more like it's just quiet it's menacing and then house atreides has scottish 
which is weird because yeah, it's so it is very weird. But Green. maybe because Gurney Halleck might specifically just be like a that's Scottish right. name, and that's yeah. why like that happened. It's just one of those things where it's like, it was even a, though it's, it was a decision, yeah, yeah. But, but it, I think I, I think I liked what's, it. What's great like, is that okay. each of these cultures have different music, and then when when we start seeing them fight, like you get the mismatch of the different genres together, yeah. and it still works perfectly, which is the genius of Hans Zimmer. Um, there's yeah. a fight later through a vision where we see um uh, i don't want to ruin it but you hear both um the middle eastern influences and the bagpipes together right. which is something i would not expect to work yeah and it yeah. works so really it does i think i think what happened because i just googled spanish bagpipes and it's a thing in northern spain and that's okay. kind of the region that the uh uh interesting right because yeah they're supposed to yeah. descend from agamemnon but they're like like the bullfighting thing, which is in the book. It's in the yeah. movie. It's in the book. I mentioned the, yeah, the bullfighting. The they are like a Spanish. Kind of, that's why they're supposed to have like that kind of olive skin stuff. Yeah. The Atreides uh, are more or less a Mediterranean family. Yes. And that yeah. includes yeah. apparently bagpipes in, you know, <laughs> well, uh, Canterbury, yeah, Galicia and Asturias. 191. I mean, we, anything's possible. We should definitely go into spoiler territory now because we have a lot to talk about and i don't want to talk for two hours like we did for midnight mass so yeah um, so go see we, it three three hours midnight mass. Line, line master um we're gonna jump <laughs> yeah. into spoiler terry Sorry. watch hold on, you're not on say it now okay read the book read the, like don't read the book first don't like but if you like this if you like any part read the book holy yeah. shit read the book because this book will break your brain and change the way you look at everything else in sci-fi and politics and family and all kinds well, of stuff. I don't want, I don't I want that. I <laughs> David say, yeah, read the Frank Herbert books. I'm, I'm a purist. Of just the, no, read Dune. Era. Don't even read just the read sequels. Dune. Don't even read That's the sequels. Just read Dune because yeah. the second book is fucking backshit crazy. And the third, <laughs> so book, goes, the third book goes true. back to being more like Dune. Yes, but it, true. Do not expect a, a, an exciting space opera, but do look for something which is just really imaginative and uh, you'll see all the connections that dune you know people always talk about tolkien you know as being sort of this amazing influence on fantasy uh dune is absolutely the grandfather of a lot of concepts in science fiction what's crazy so, too is that he didn't even invent half this stuff shields oh. and all that stuff that was he just it's just he popularized it because yeah. he took no. it from people 10 years earlier people yeah, weren't reading that stuff all right so we're gonna go into spoilers i don't know if you saw that nice little spoiler wiper that i did yeah the, i did it was cool thank you yeah. uh, i did that earlier today um so this this film again spoilers where i'm gonna break down the film very enough like three sentences maybe four sentences so this film pretty much follows the first half of the book yeah pretty much the first half of the book uh we see the harkonnens leaving arrakis house of Trades getting that planet as its fife um the betrayal of house of Trades. Duncan's sacrifice, and then we finally end the film with Paul and Jessica going to like joining the Freeman after um, Paul yeah, has his duel with siege, Janice, yeah. right? Um, so, what did we think about how what they covered in the film, as opposed to I know you guys don't have the book, but how they covered this in the film? It's they seem to really have streamlined the story. There's a lot of politics in the book that we don't really see in this um, movie. Actually, let's ask the the people who don't know Dune as well, because yeah. I'm very curious as to yeah whether they felt they got ripped off or not, or they you know did it feel like it. it was missing something, or did you feel like it was pretty much audio? Seemed like you everything talk. was there that needed that needed to be there. Yeah, like 
In, in, in terms of like, if, yeah, if you had read the book ahead of time or seen several different iterations of this, I could see where maybe you would be lo- looking for something that, that maybe they hadn't put there. But um, at least for me, I felt like it, it explained everything pretty well nice. in terms yeah. of, of what kind of a universe it was and what kind of political uh, rules everybody had to follow. Everyone seemed to know what their place was. And, and, um, and, and like that scene where they all had to dress up and there was the very formal meeting and, and he, he even asks, um, he asked that guy who remember the guy who's his eye rolled back up into his head and he Those does a calculation. Yeah, man. Yeah, can be okay. Yeah. Tat. So, yeah. So he, so he, he was even like, how much did this cost? Like he knew it was a political ploy, um, to, to have them come and do like nice. a formal, uh, signing <laughs> or whatever. So, um, at least for it's me, cool. I saw I saw some of that stuff in there. Nice, nice. No, I think yeah, it's really it was pretty. Cool. It's fairly well explained. Where like everyone's motivations are very clear in this movie. Like there was no real like trying to guess. You know why are these people doing this? What is the importance of the spices? Why is everyone fighting over it? Why is it so important that these people have control? Like everything is very well explained in it. So I like that. Um, there's two things so that uh, I just want to get out of the way really quick and questions for those who know a lot of it. So the Mentats, I assume, all have that little, little tattoo, yeah. that little yeah. soul patch. Okay, because I noticed only two characters in the movie had yeah. it, and both of them were the Mentats. They're the only and two. Secondly, the things don't get any... explained. A lot yeah, of and secondly, it, can anyone explain to me why it is that every single time we see Jason Momoa on the screen successively through the movie, his beard gets shorter and shorter? I don't know, but I noticed they took a lot of shots that were like, <laughs> like a lot of shots like this for some reason. Of a, go you know what go I mean? back like, and like, neck. Um, go back and look. When he first gets off the plane at the I, very beginning of the so, movie, massive beard. The next yeah. time we see him, the mutton chops are gone. The next time we see him, it's just a goatee and it's shorter. And then finally, his final scene, clean uh, shape. Apparently, they wanted him to um, when they, so he was growing the beard. So that he could join the Fremen, right? So he could be Mm. part of that culture. Um, When he shaved it afterwards, is because his mission was complete. The thing is, is like it it wasn't that like he just shaved it all off completely. It was shaved in stages. It was weird. Yeah, I know. It's interesting. No, that's that's a good observation because yeah, as Eric said, yeah, the whole point was he was sent ahead to make yeah. contact with yeah. the Fremen, right? But yeah, you're right. The weird, yeah, the way that they the did it off in stages, I don't know. I never would have noticed it except for the fact I've never seen him without a beard. So, so he recognized, yeah, I noticed so that too. Only in the- I have a strong <laughs> suspicion this is linked to, because like I said, this movie is very much like a, the 21st century version of Dune that we're getting. And I think that's because when special forces were sent into Iraq and Afghanistan, they those guys all grew beards so they could blend in with locals and if you want to send and that's what they think of they think like this movie is like the iraq war or the war of the 20 year war we've just ended um is like that's what's influencing this you see him he looks like a fucking fighter pilot he looks like he looks like a 21st century fighter pilot he doesn't look like a guy who lives in space when you you see jason momoa the first time or duncan duncan idaho um and i think that's just that's what we live in. That's why I say this is the movie. That's this is what we're going to get. We're not going to get a David Lynch. We're not going to get a Yodorowsky version, right? Yeah, there's definitely some influences like that. Yeah, I was I was going to say, I mean, I guess since we're talking about the film now, um, all the versions of Dune so far, and there's always been this like, yeah, this myth that Dune is not shootable, just like Lord of the Rings was right. And and it's kind of cool that people brought up the comparison because I was going to say like, at the very least, I do feel that this film has achieved that same effect that what Eric said, seeing The Matrix for the first time, seeing Lord of the Rings for the first time. It is 
the beginning of a film that really brings you out, you know? Um, I also think Dune as a story, though, is like the first Matrix where it's like sure. it changes things. But then like the sequels don't live up the same sure. way. Yeah, that's right. That's because they go off somewhere uh, else. Yeah, they, they have the story has to evolve. Deal. It does. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what comes out of all of this. You know, I, I'm very curious to see whether or not well, this. I don't, yeah, I don't think people who see this movie understand where the story is going either. They don't understand well, what's going on with. Well, Paul. let me ask you three, the, the three that, have, that know the story. What did you think about where they cut off in the in the in the film? That was fine. I mean, honestly, we're I think the location is wrong <laughs> in terms of story because it totally breaks the whole point of what the Fremen do. Um because like that fight takes place in a cave yep. for a reason. Yeah. And then doesn't. I thought that was so it like it's yeah. like, hey, we we okay. live in the desert and we're super careful and we're gonna keep our fucking still suits on for a fight to the death. So we can ah. these are People who can, like, yeah, like, I'm not happy about some of the choices in this movie, but like, Frank's an elitist. Movie. He's an elitist. I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> but it's a cool fight, but it's also the fight choreography is so good. And then they chopped it up for some reason. Uh, I was okay with it. I what understand about, the price of the I thought it was a good point to cut it off. I knew it was going to, you know, I was wondering how much they were going to show. Cause like, you know, the, when I'm watching trailers for this and that, they were showing like Paul in this like, you know, huge fight. And I was like, how much of this book are they actually covering in this? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Cause it I, was a vision. I, yeah. yeah they're going to yeah, show us a vision. That. Yeah. It was a vision. And I'm glad they, they cut it off where they did in that. Because like one of the interesting things about this movie is Paul's journey in that. I mean, like you take this kid who comes from like basically a Royal lineage, um, also had you know was like the product of the design choices in that you know put in place by a, a, a fanatical is that something order. that came across to the newbies is yeah, that something was, you understood that he that. is the product of um, the genetics so like eugenics yeah. eugenics program that went on for thousands of years yeah yeah <laughs> The, the, the first time I saw it, like, that, yeah, that, I, I wasn't sure that that's what that meant, and yeah. and I wasn't even sure who those religious like those right. religious Benet nuns Desert. were i thought maybe they were aliens at first and you had said there aren't any aliens <laughs> Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. but i thought they were aliens i mean and there the are people only... who have eat, mutated to the point that they might as well be aliens but they're um, all humans basically the only essence the only Second. essence i got about him from his upbringing is the fact that like his parents come from two very different worlds two very different belief systems and that he's mm -hmm. being pulled in both directions to learn both of them that's not sure. entirely correct, but that's actually somewhat accurate. Too, yeah, so. she because <laughs> she went so um, the Bene Gesserit school, which everybody in the world of Dune thinks is just like a really nice school for girls to go to. And it's a big deal if you send your daughter there, because that means she gets like really good, like a, a really good education. Um, So she's not from a different world, technically, than the Duke, because she should fully understand. That's the weird thing is they don't show you. They don't show her any of them being regal. Yeah. They don't show the Duke being treated like a fucking duke or treating or like the difference between his private life and his public life as a fucking ruler and like not just a ruler in like a political sense but a ruler in like hey man i rule not just through like power but because i was born to rule and i was taught to rule through my entire lineage like yeah. that's what we do we're rulers we're kings and queens but this is a m movie from north america and we don't believe in that shit yeah so but when you get this movie you don't get that sense at all that's why that, I like, like the the 2000 version because you see them going amongst the people and then 
you know, they have they have slaves and stuff, right? Yeah, 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 and yeah. They I, I like them. You th- know? They really played on that that you know the different. Uh, just a lot of things missing from this story that we get. Fill in the gap. It's not a huge gap, but um, part of the uh, extensive, uh, ridiculous uh, history of Dune. What the heck? Sorry, guys. He's so popular. <laughs> He's just getting calls all the time. Yeah. Some of them are from ladies, I hear. <laughs> called Shit. mom <laughs> oh yeah i just i I, 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 think, I also think it's really easy we could i could just sit all day about what they didn't do in this movie is but sure you know it like there there are things like my my wife she doesn't like long movies and she doesn't like things with a lot of um like a lot of backstory that <laughs> doesn't you know really get explained but she really liked this book or she liked the part that she stayed awake for she's also old <laughs> No, I'm just joking. <laughs> oh, someone no. clipped that and sent it to Eric's wife real no, quick. No. She, she falls asleep at like very early because we have. You mean Eric's ex-wife, right? Oh, ouch. <laughs> all um, I was gonna say. That's is, weird, Eric. I thought you supposed to see working. your kids every day, not every other weekend. Oh, uh, <laughs> brutal. Anyway. All I was gonna say is it doesn't really matter. I mean, it, it, what's interesting is that there is like something going on with Paul. You know, yeah. that's larger than just him. That's all you really need to know. Because that's the thing I was going to say is I'm coming at it from the perspective of, yes, we all know that Gandalf spent 10 years in the library to figure out where that <laughs> fucking ring was. OK, but you don't need to see it. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Like film. Well, they showed us that he was in a library, though. That was very useful information to know that minutes. Gandalf did yeah. look up. They didn't show him doing it for 10 years, okay? Yes, but we knew that he was from a fucking library. (laughs) They didn't even... They thought the Bene Gesserit were aliens, man. That's not good. That's fair, but it's not really... They're introduced really early. Um, Practically are aliens. I mean, they did all fly off in a spaceship after the end. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of the... (laughs) A lot of the backstory isn't really relevant to the story of what... I think Villeneuve decided to focus on. I mean, this is what I was sort of saying earlier is when you compare the three versions that we have, you can sort of look at the decisions that were made in terms of how much of the universe do we really want to incorporate? And they really traded off on a lot of focus on certain characters. Like if you just take the 90, the 84 version of the film, don't even talk about the TV series. Okay. If you just take the 84 version and the 2021 version, they completely changed the focus of secondary characters. Yeah. Right. Like, Gurney, oh no, actually, I shouldn't say Gurney. Um, Yui, uh, the doctor, um, and um, some of the other, I can't, I can't remember right now. Liet Kynes? Liet, no, no, Liet had a good amount as well. I, I think say Liet the one, is better, and I mean, I love Max von Sydow, but I think Liet uh, yeah. is kind of better in this version. I, I was going to say that. Don't so. learn enough. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, the point is, they put a lot more emphasis on Duncan, who dies like a bitch in the in the 84 version. OK, <laughs> one um, bullet. <laughs> I feel that that emphasis on him really helped the new film, whereas they took a lot away from Dr. Yui and some of these other people who honestly, uh, if you're trying to focus on Paul and Jessica, aren't that important. Like in the greater yeah. scheme of things, there's all kinds of backstories for everybody. My and, like, question for you then steve is why didn't they show all these people as how much they cared about paul like they did before previously think, because dr issue- yui loves paul so much yeah. I, and I think, you get like almost I, none of that my grand yeah. scheme in this is though look villanov uh went out knowing just as lynch did actually too to be fair lynch made like a three and a half hour cut and then Dino De Laurentiis cut it down to like whatever the 
horrendous theatrical cut we got. Okay. Yeah. Um, he knew version, yeah. he knew the movie could not tell the story properly that way. Villeneuve right away at the very beginning, even before he shot the thing said, this is impossible. Yeah. I'm going to just do a first part, whether I get a second part or not. Right. Yeah. So he knew this is the proper way to tell the story. So he had to make decisions and, on slicing certain things. Off. Okay. And the problem is the emphasis but, is distracting if you have too much. So I get it. I'm sure he shot all that stuff. And I'm sure we're going to. He's get saying he didn't. He's saying there's no other version of this movie. He said. And Jason then Mom- you hear Jason, Jason Momoa said he wants a director's cut, and Villeneuve said that's the director's cut. I made it. That's the movie I, I wanted I've to seen make. Some shots that aren't in I, the movie. So yeah. I will say, like as as like a newcomer to it, like that was one of the that was one of the few problems that I had with the movie was the underdevelopment of some of these characters. Like mm-hmm. yes, it's you know weird. Jason Momoa's death didn't wasn't that impactful to me because he, i feel like he didn't get anything other than like his scenes are he comes in yeah. and it's like hey paul here's a hug oh we're buddies okay i gotta go off now so when he dies it just wasn't impactful to me so and much worse than the like, 84 like, movie and yeah. the same thing with dr yui's betrayal, betrayal? it yeah. didn't come across yeah. to you like when he was revealed as the one who betrayed him it was just kind of like a huh? know, the reason you're like, who, you're like who's this character that's and, been, that and really he's he's only, like the doctor yeah. really like he's only shown he's as a doctor like too right he's not the teacher yeah. or, or like the confident that he really is i mean the, there's so the much they don't well I'm gonna, i got right. another i got a quick gripe with like um the god what, okay the thufer being yeah. like hey man i take my resignation that's in that's in the book that makes sense and then he's like, hey, man, I'm really sorry. I fucked up. And he goes, you didn't fuck up. Paul survived. Paul survived because you taught him. Mm. And then you see, oh, well, look at the yeah. tenderness between the Duke. Look how he treats the people because this guy's a part of his family. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, Fair he goes, enough. I'm pissed. You go find some fucking spies to atone for this. You're like, whoa, what? That this is not of, a nice guy. This is not a good guy. I felt like the 2000 um, version. But that, that this, movie. I would argue... This I would argue is it's all one line film one editing, line. though. No, like it's one line. My son survived because of you. Now go find me some spies. Oh, but the thing is, the character hadn't done enough in the movie to warrant that type of acknowledgement. He's honestly nothing in the film. It doesn't Those really men cats were right? utterly yeah. erased from the film, right? Like they're not. Yeah, I, I get what you're trying to say. See, here's the thing for the people who don't know Dune. Each of those like uh, confidants and you know like really loyal uh people who serve the duke are major characters and actually like have a lot of characters in the book here's the thing i'm going to take it back to like mortal Kombat, like the first film how are you going to tell the story of all these characters right you've got to like cut down a lot of these people and they decided to focus on paul and jessica and as much as you want to keep all of paul's mentors in at the end of the day what matters is his relationship with his his father right you want to keep and and his mom right Yeah, you want to like say, oh yeah, yeah. With his uncle, oh, okay. <laughs> Fine. You want to say Ger- Halleck and Unka and Duncan and all these people are like really great, but it's just not enough time. I, I, right. I, 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 you're also dealing with the mentality of a movie audience in that, who is, you know, not just people who haven't read the book and that, but people who just basically want to see this new movie coming out. But if Brent, okay with that. Brent yeah. is saying that Duncan's death isn't impactful and we see more well, of Duncan than any of I'm like, that's a problem. Okay, that's a failure yeah, of a wanna, film then, right? Sure. Okay, show, show, Can I show, add show, really quickly show, to that? Show, yeah, I just wanted to say about the deaths. Like, Going into this movie, not knowing anything about any of the characters, you, you sort of get a sense of what kind of um, impact deaths are going to have throughout the movie. And, and very early on in the movie, I started to feel like this was going to be like a Game of Thrones style thing where everybody is 
probably going to die by the end of this movie. And there was, there was a point in the movie, probably about an hour in where I realized I can't get attached to any of these characters. They're all going to die. <laughs> That's right? very I wasn't accurate. sure if any yeah. of them were going yeah. to survive. And, and it's I, true I by the, by the end thing. of the movie, there wasn't that many left, right? Yeah. There, there wasn't that many of the main characters left. So it was hard to get attached to them anyway, in, in the amount of time that I had. Just, just stay attached to Paul. I think okay. no, forget Paul. I, I think <laughs> this is the distinction between the '84 and the 2021. Is that in the '84, right away, you're like the Duke is doomed. Everybody knows the Duke is doomed. That is dramatic, <laughs> it's dramatic irony for the father. Nothing. Enough, you know yeah. the Duke. You don't know anybody else is doomed, but you know the Duke is doomed, and you know that for that whole movie. And it's awesome because what everything that happens, but like the but the Duke and the Duke knows he's doomed. He knows he's doomed. And he kind of does in this too, but you don't get the sense that he's trying to go, Paul, listen the fuck up, smarten up. You're going to be the Duke soon. Nobody goes to Paul and they're like, hey, man, you're going to be the Duke. Even at the end, when Duncan comes up to Paul and he goes, oh, Paul, no, 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 no. That's your Duke. You he doesn't write after. Duke. He wouldn't start with Paul. He would lead with it's like that's, that's the character, right? Because these this is a formal feudal society. You don't get to call your lord by their first name but, unless... But- and I wonder, I wonder if in the film, I'm going to go off just off of what we saw, is if he's like, I think your father is dead. And then he sees the ring. And that's why he he knelt down. No. Yeah. I, I, I know how the movie does it. But like. I don't know, man, like they just change stuff. Like they just change. They <laughs> just change. Stuff. Uh, and it's I'm not a, more or less digestible. Yeah, they, they do that. They, movie. they just <laughs> change stuff. Right. He does Lord of the Ring purist. It doesn't yeah, make it, it better. Um, it doesn't make it more understandable. They I, just no, it changed it. I want to say something about the movies about them streamlining this film. Um, and I, I agree with what Steve says. They are really focusing on Jessica and um, Paul's relationship. And I think this film builds that relationship faster and better than anything that we've seen so yes. far. Because just even initially up until the gum Jabbar scene, like I like their relationship has been built and I feel how they, you know, connect like that voice scene was perfect to, to lead off near the beginning of the movie. I, for purists of Dune, I know there is some criticism of how Jessica is portrayed, but I understand that. Yeah, you have to understand if you watch the 1984 version and as much as I like the 1984 version, it is a little bit lazy in that it takes a lot of inner monologues straight out of the novel yeah. and just puts it into the movie and makes them whisper it. As like 1984 weird... is just a scene from the novel, then a scene from yeah. the novel, and a scene, and that's what makes it. And it's, it's sort of odd. makes sense. Yeah, it's it, odd. It makes sense, but it's very weird. And they <laughs> took out all the weird voiceovers, all the weird ASMR, and they tried to try to display it more as an emotional performance. So yeah. some people will say this. I'm just preparing all people who are not avid Dune fans <laughs> that Jessica's portrayal is maybe too emotional because some people oh, like to think of Bene Gesserit as these like stoic space ninjas. Okay. Uh, I that's understand. Yes, that's true. <laughs> but what's important yeah, is in terms of the movie, they Villeneuve said, okay, how do I focus this? Cause I don't know if I'm even going to get a second part. How do I make a movie that makes sense in and of itself? And so he had to make these decisions. And I think, you know, the relationship of a mother and son within this, huge like intergalactic political intrigue uh makes sense even though it's not utterly true to the letter of the book because there's just too much going on like there's a lot of like stuff going on behind the scenes which they hint at and they drop for fan service okay pretty much but there's no way they could possibly explain you know unless you're doing a tv series there's no way i i think 
think it's I, a compromise. I, as, a, as like a essentially Dune purist, I like what they do with Jessica. Mm-hmm. I wish we also had the other side to contrast her, though. I wish we saw the, the you know, the concubine of not the ninja, but because she does <laughs> some cool shit. She does a fucking sick flip yep. um, yeah, really quickly. Because like you see the only kind of like hint you see of her being like a Bene Gesserit and like, hey, I can scan people like Sherlock Holmes in less than a second. And like her doing her kind of duty to the Duke is when she talks to shit, the shit out mapes, um, which for some reason they don't call her the shit out. But because mm. that's her title. Yeah. Um, if it's a purist, you're <laughs> <laughs> just changing shit, man. Um, is is she like she scans her right away? But you don't. It's not visually told that she scans her. You just like, oh, I know you have a weapon on you, and it's like, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess you know that. But like, how how do we how do we know that? You just told us that. You didn't show us that in the movie, right? You didn't. I, I, I feel like a lot. The visual of, language didn't. You know, a lot. I feel, okay, the, for as someone who going into that who knows nothing, and I didn't even know anything about her. All I knew is that at that point, there was some kind of unique power that she had going on as far as like the voice thing. So I assumed that it had something to do with that. I didn't need it explained as to how yeah. she knew she had a weapon. I just knew that's like, hey, she has some kind okay. of power and yeah, must have fine. something to do that's with that. Good. Except I, it's not a superpower is the thing. It's but, it's but, no, but it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You, it's you not, understand that she has skills. OK, yeah. um, I, I that, wanna... that's probably the most book accurate scene in the movie, actually, that were right there. I want to talk about um I feel like what they focused on for her like to make her a little different is or why she she sort of broke away and isn't as cold as the other Bene Gesserit is that her love for Duke Leto Leto was so strong or at least in the film is what um I assume that is what they were going with and that's why she's a little bit different than everyone else. Did it come across? I think that's going to ask that. I don't think it did. No, you didn't no, think no. they had a good relationship. They have like one scene together. Yeah. Mm. Right? Think, to me it, it so came fucking as, it, loves him yeah yeah it came across in the movie as like it was almost like it was an arranged marriage did, mm. did you yeah like yeah like it was like two so, people are brought wait, together wait, wait, to bring two families so you together guys kind think of thing. that like, they're married is what's even worse is mm-hmm. that they're not they're not um so no, i knew that it? i knew just, yeah he does even i knew say that they're talking to you guys but in the movie i have no i Honestly, I believe that they okay. were married. So basically what she didn't marry him. They didn't get married because of because they're such a big house. There's a possibility of, you know, um, securing royal, safety yeah. between different houses by marrying. the. Duke Having played a lot of people. Crusader Kings, let me tell you, it's very important to secure your bloodline. Yeah, secure <laughs> bloodlines, marry different houses together. That's why they never got married. That's why mm-hmm. she's her, his concubine. But, you know, there's that. I got I, see even my wife was like. Why weren't they married? Yeah, it's complicated. They didn't really explain all right, all right. that. That's weird. Well, that's Maybe, actually kind of not bad, though, because if they're going, why aren't they married? Because they love each other. That's a good sign to me. So the grand, huge, gigantic, like way back machine history is that at some point in the distant past, this is not important to do and really, but they created thinking machines and basically lived the utopian society of robots doing everything for us. And then at some point, some asshole decided to make the robots turn against other humans. And there was a huge like Terminator type war. AI, right? Yeah, well, that's basically. After, Eric. That's after that happens. The, hu- yeah, yeah. the, the AI take over. But this is like so far beyond the beginning of Dune. It's almost irrelevant, except it does set up all of this. The point is, there are no AI in the current setting of Dune because we had to fight against AI and we destroyed them. And then out of the ashes of losing all of this opulence and, you know, being able to sit back and do nothing, 
we had to rebuild society. So one of the side effects of that is the Bene Gesserit school was a a school of thought and and philosophy that uh, believed in eugenics. And for like thousands of years, these women have been cultivating like perfection in certain uh, attributes and abilities and genetics. And so they actually have powers, but not like necessarily superhuman, just they're a bunch of fucking Sherlock Holmes is what they are. Yeah, Basically, they are space ninjas. OK, this is going to be more important to the next film. But the point is they hint at it in only one scene when Paul is um, accusing his mother of like, you know, what did you do to me? Like, mm-hmm. why am I who am I am? Right. Tent, and you right? get the. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, well, no, no. Even before that. No, no. Like when when the, the reverend mother has just left. The point oh. is, I know that that stuff was not touched on too heavily, but it's just like. What I just told you is, it's like, yeah, like, like, I, know, I, so I wonder meta, if, like, you know? if, you, if you take that out of the film at all, would it matter if they didn't have a second film? Well, that's right? okay. So if they yeah, go right, exactly. if, if you just take out the like Bene Gesserit stuff entirely from this film, it doesn't change the way this film goes. And it's only something that might pay off in a second film, but it has no payoff in this film, which drives right. me nuts. But that's exactly it, right? He knew he could only make one film. So I find it interesting, you know, I hopefully, you know, the film was still enjoyable for you guys, you know, without knowing that little piece of background that I described. But there are entire traditions of schools of thought, like the Mentats, which again, they completely obliterated from this because they, they got rid of thinking machines. They had to depend on humans who could do calculations really quickly. So Mentats, the guys- Which we see once. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. Which also makes them true. like- like basically, they, we've made superhumans. We've trained superhumans in different ways. Like human computers, yes. And but, but the, the Bene Gesserit are like it's like you have one version of Batman and you have another version of Batman and another version of Batman, and they all like are kind of against each other, sort of. And they all exist in this world, and none of them you get to show you how badass they are. But it doesn't matter because I, I, the focus is yeah. on Paul, right? I, I, but, Paul, I but here's the thing: Paul is the combination of all those things. He's trained by Mentat. He's trained by. A they have Desert. another, but they have another movie to explain that, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, Paul, I, I think, know I think of this. that kind of stuff was for the fans, right? I, I think, yeah. I think the Mentat, like it didn't matter to me, like like the, the yeah. fact that, that he did this calculation and said, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. It didn't matter to me, but for it somebody who's read the books and, and knew the movies, like, oh, I know what that is. No, that's a it's not that. cool that's if you've read the books. It's a huge letdown <laughs> if you've read the books. Fine. I, I no, that's why I really wanted to know what Brent and 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 Shouse thought because I'm I'm with Shouse on this. Like it's it's like for someone who doesn't know all of that stuff, to me that is a lot of that is fan service. Like that's if you we had you a go. ten episode series to explain it, then we could get into it. But yeah. for people like us who are, they're trying to drive us into the theaters, people who don't know the story. So to tell the story of a mother and son going through this, that's what's appealing to us. And that's a story. That's why when I say like the whole thing about um, Duncan's death, meaning nothing to me, because he was so his whole character's purpose was in service of Paul, was to be Paul's conduit, is to be Paul's almost that's like fair. a brother. And I feel like that's what they wanted to set up and they just didn't. And you can leave out a lot of those other things. I don't care. But like if Paul is going to be our main character, if he's going to be our focus, then we should be putting more effort into filling out those who are directly around him. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. Um, Uh, Before we get going, I got to get going. Okay. (laughs) Unfortunately. Okay. All right. (laughs) Sorry, guys. Uh, Hawk off here. Bye, Hawk. Thank you, Hawk. Bye, Hawk. Later, guys. Take care. Bo.
Okay, I gotta move. Ooh, I'm on top now. This is the, so I have a, I have a question for that because if if the relationship in this film between Duncan and Paul is so important, it's not. It, it's not that it's important. He it's dies that for I feel him. Like, I know, but, that, but, but that's the problem important. is I feel like it was glossed over in the movie. I feel like it should okay. have been more important. See, I, I see it from both perspectives. I think Brent is entirely accurate in what the intention was. And I see David's indignation as also correct as a fan. Because Duncan Idaho is, believe it or not, even though he's dead. He's the best out, of us is what he's described in, as. He's the best of us. important character who lives on beyond the other existing. I don't, no, no, I don't care about that stuff. I don't care about that. I don't care about the spoilers. Duncan Idaho is sent to the Fremen because he represents the best of the Atreides. And that's how they okay. want to secure their alliance. But I So think all that stuff is important. And it's in this movie, right? It's in the yeah. movie, so show that. Tell us, and then I think it's Duncan I think training, it's Duncan being the weapon master, training Paul. Why can Paul win that fight? Is it because he can see through space and time, or is it because Duncan Idaho taught him, or is it both? Like so, you know, you, build you can this see with, thing, you can and see then with David, the way he's going on right now, okay, like that he is is totally, totally like spice drugged out of his mind. Okay, <laughs> like, spice look, look, the fact of the matter is, I, I I see it from both sides, and I don't think anyone's going to be happy because yeah. I appreciate both sides of it. And um, yes, I it's interesting to hear what Brent said, saying that. What was kind of the point of that? Because it didn't really go anywhere. I, I totally agree with you. On the other hand, having seen the 1984 version where the guy like totally died like a bitch, I'm like, <laughs> man, that was terrible, you know? Cool. So I'm kind of glad they gave Jason Momoa. I mean, if you're going to hire the fucking guy. Yeah, they were never going to give Jason Momoa a glorious death. Like, there was no chance. Hold on, hold on. I want to know, because I know what my wife thought about it. I mean, I'll, I'll talk about it next. Yeah, but I want to oh, know sure, what sure, shows... Sure thought about Duncan Idaho and his death on the film. Like we, we hear what uh, Dave and Brent have felt, but what did you think of his relationship with Paul and you know how he died? I, I'm going to argue, argue that they shouldn't have, like, I agree with Brent hundred percent. They should have given him more, but I think it's because of the casting. I think because Jason Momoa is such a well-known actor, I think because he's for the fan service, people love him and, and you want more Jason Momoa. You want to have him, um, be developed as more of a character. <laughs> I think that if if I think that if, if it was a different actor or it was of a no name actor, or an, unknown, an unknown actor, and and he was just like a friend of Paul's or a trainer of Paul's, um, I, I don't think we would be looking for that backstory that we're looking for. I, um, really I, of Momoa. I think they've succeeded. Then. Yeah, that, like, I dis- like I disagree with that though. I think it could be Jason Muse playing that part for all I care. That would be amazing. Be the fact is, is they're, they're, Yo, dog, because- the Fremen live in the desert. There's way more than we hmm. thought, and they get so high. It's the fact that they consistently <laughs> set up every single time those two characters uh, yes. meet. There is you feel the camaraderie between them. You feel yeah, the relationship. They're brothers. Between them. They're best but friends. That, that's, they, don't, yeah. but they yeah. don't develop it beyond that just initial, like, you know, oh, how are you? I've missed I you. Will. How's things going? How's your so, training? Oh, you have muscles? Okay, bye. I will I will I'll will speak yeah. off my my wife uh, and because she's not a big sci-fi fan, which is I don't know how I married her, but um the <laughs> She did end up watching this for me. This <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. How are you still wife? married after this? It's <laughs> not a good episode for so your you wife. Bring her into all of yeah. this. That's like, the real so, life. So she watched oh, it and she. she was your anniversary last week. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I remember her saying, I don't think I've ever seen a movie with Jason Momoa. She, she hasn't seen Justice League or anything. She knows him because he's very popular. 
but she did. I would watch Brave Stargate, Stargate Atlantis. I, I'm going to show her. That's C. not a movie. C is what I'm going to show her. Um, the TV show. Um, but she did say that she did think it was like it was a noble death, and she thought it was a heartbreaking death because it was someone that seemed to care for Paul a yeah. lot, and Paul cared for him a lot, even though there were just a couple scenes for him. They, she thought that the relationship was was. Yeah, I feel like right? it, yeah, really I good. did get that. I got that from his death. I got the. She's also not like uh, a film geek that that breaks yeah. things down and think, I, like, analyzes I got, stuff like us. I got the emotional payoff from it. Like yeah. I understood why his death was important to Paul, and I understand why his death is important to that point in the movie. I'm just saying that they didn't, in my eyes, develop everything leading up to that properly. I'm gonna say this. We have no idea what's going to happen from here. Unfortunately, I, I do yeah. strongly suspect there will be a sequel, but they haven't yeah, it's, played it's that tracking marketing really well. game. It's, it's number one right now. It's it's going to be a sequel. The issue more, though, for people who are in the know is whether or not they'll do more beyond the sequel. And in that nope, case, we just need Dune. <laughs> Please don't make children of Dune. Please. <laughs> OK, if there's money you. to be made. They will make all the Dune. I don't. <laughs> the I, point is, it's not going to put is, people's butts in seats. Let me tell you, I find it really interesting that we are discussing this Mo uh, this Momoa uh, element, because I think that the casting of him, like I was very good at avoiding the trailers and all the information as much as possible. I saw the casting. I was like, yeah, I agree with that. I'm out. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to watch yeah. the movie. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's really interesting. We're talking about Momoa because as everyone has sort of implied that casting draws attention to this character and then he's just killed. Right. And yeah. it's fun that you were able to explain it to your wife that it was, you know, something, you know, possibly a little bit more. I didn't have and to. it's sort of I, also fun. Yeah. I didn't have to explain I, anything to her. Right. That, 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 yeah, exactly. Sorry, 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 sorry. She got it. Right. And whereas like uh, Brendan Schaus is sort of like thinking, ah, maybe that was overemphasized. Right. I think that that's almost like threading the I, needle. Right. Because we don't know what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. I like I don't think I, I like I said, Moa, whoever played him is it's that's beyond the point that I'm trying to make on Like it had really like it has my point is not so much focusing on that specific character in that specific relationship, but more of what we discussed earlier about the overarching theme of a lot of these supporting characters not being being very underutilized yeah that's true yeah. and just using jason momoa and his character in that relationship that's just i'm using that as the example that's as a fair. broad example for you, all of the side characters that did, i feel like i didn't get to know very well did you feel the same about josh brolin's gurney i i could not watch josh brolin without picturing thanos god god that voice <laughs> <laughs> every time oh, he spoke Man. I could not stop picturing Thanos, but I, I, no, I feel I do feel the same thing. I feel like I I feel like he's got to be the way that it was left off for me is that he's got to be a huge character in the second part. Yeah, Patrick Stewart is such a good fucking gurney Halleck, and I don't think we're going to top it. Mood is the thing for love playing cattle. Not that's fighting. right. Yes, um, because. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's a whole thing. It's, it's more of like right. the characterization that we don't yeah. get. Yeah. Then, I, like, and the chances we do have I for it when, like, he's all right. He's okay. He's okay. He's okay. Uh, yeah. I, Here's I, what I, I thought I going in. He's barely in it. Here's, just as, as, like, <laughs> as a newbie going into it, here's, here's what I thought. I, I looked at uh, Gurney and Duncan as being very parallel characters in this movie uh, as far as Paul's journey goes. And I really thought that they were setting it up that uh, Duncan was going to be the good guy on his shoulder 
and Gurney is going to be the devil on his shoulder and that there was going to be something that happens eventually where maybe Gurney becomes a turncoat and he's actually working for the enemy or something he kills, like that. He kills half of and, uh, the known universe. I, I really that. thought that that's where the movie was going until it didn't go that way. So I'm going to read a couple of things in, on uh, Twitch. Uh, OG Cylons in our chat right now. And oh, they're saying yes. not everything here just indicates more depth and breadth to the world. That makes it feel I don't know, a bit more like Snoogans, which I assume was for the <laughs> Snoogans. <laughs> and then um, Very good. Thank Momoa you. is somehow... it was between Jason Bateman or Jason Muse for who I. I'm reference. glad you picked uh, Muse. <laughs> well, so I didn't know what I expected. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they also wrote uh, Momoa is somehow the everyman in this. He is not royalty. Yeah. He's Samwise, yeah. which you know. That's a really good observation. I agree yeah. with that. Yeah, no, it's funny we're debating him because I think that that is he's probably the best casting in this movie. Yes, is the he thing. was. I, because yeah, I he knew he was going to die, right? Like yeah. the moment he was cast, I was like, oh, well, this guy's fucked, right? But I'm like, that's a good character because yeah. people notice him. But he's like, right? he's a troubadour so. warrior. And you're like, well, who do you yeah. think, who would you have a beer with? Who would sing with you at the bar? Who would do no, 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 karaoke? No, no. And who no, would go no, beat Halleck the shit out of troubadour warrior? The but, one thing, yeah. and another he reason can why I also think, like, he can sing also and dance, though. Yeah. Another reason why I think there's so much emphasis on my part of his character is because he does play an integral part to the overall story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, much more I, so. It, it, there's absolutely no way in my mind that Paul and Rebecca would have gotten with Premier at the end if it was not for his. True enough. With him. Yeah. Yeah. He would have made a good Gurney as well. I think Momo would have made a good Gurney. No, Gurney's. No. Patrick know. Stewart is the because Gurney Gurney like uh, flip flops. Anyway, we're, we're, Gurney let's, is let's like Gurney super serious, and then Gurney like play, plays a fucking loop, man. Like it's oh, yeah, brother. Uh, um, let's move on to. I this. think each of us are going to drop off this show. It's just going to be uh, uh, Steve and Dave talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, Steve, they did sorry. the. I want to talk about. Should have um, been in a cave. <laughs> some some themes that I thought were more prevalent in this than any other, um, maybe not the miniseries, but the. There was a very, at least for me, when I was watching this, they really focused on religion, um, the influence of the Bene Gesserit, the, the, all the, the, the mythologies that were surrounding uh, Paul. Did you guys, the, the new people, did you guys feel like he was like this mythical person in this film? Like, that, was their religion very prevalent in this? Because it's kind of a Luke Skywalker kind of kind of thing to him, mm. right? Like he was. That's good because Luke Skywalker is like, based off of Paul yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, like the like he's like the chosen one, right? And 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 that's that's become a bit of a sci-fi trope, right? Like this idea yeah. of this chosen one who's kind of coming into his own. He's Luke do Skywalker. You, he's Neo. He's. he's do you all feel he's characters. the chosen one because he's Paul Atreides and he's the main character, or do you believe, think he's the chosen one because the people on the planet think he's the chosen one, though? Because those are two different things. Is yeah. he actually the chosen one, or do they think he's the chosen one? Because there's a chosen because one of the be, universe, and then the chosen one be, of the people. Be, because because when he, you know, there's a there is a great scene that's not in the David Lynch version, and this version when he walks out and he talks about the trees and stuff, and he's like, "What are they saying? They're saying Lisan Al Gaib, the one who will lead us out of darkness," and that's the people saying, "Hey, Paul is the chosen one." But does Paul? Paul doesn't believe that. Paul doesn't. He's like, "What the fuck is this?" And that was the influence of the Bene Gesserit as well, right? I don't know if did they yeah, which is not explained, not explained. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it's how they don't know. They don't explain. I meant in the movie. movie. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't yeah, want the to movie does that. not yeah. explain that shit at all. I'm asking. I'm asking. Shows. Shows. Did you realize that the Bene Gesserit were influencing things on Arrakis? For yeah, they, they described it. They just, but in the narrative, they described it. Did it feel like that in the film? It didn't feel like it until they described it as part of the. 
you know, the, 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 the description that, that, that Jessica gave to him and said, you know, this is the, this is at work, the path. Yeah. Yeah. That discussion that they had in the, in the, the vehicle. Can I mention too, that those, 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 um, uh, dragonfly ships are really cool. Yes. If you were, they're super oh, yeah. cool. If you're yeah, in D box, completely, you felt, you felt every completely single bullshit. And like my <laughs> shoulders and neck felt so good after this movie because of D box that I had it on full. Oh my God. It was the best thing. Like I just, so I will say I had a feeling while I was watching it, I remember you making a comment about like the D box seats in this movie. And then as, as I was watching those, I was like, I wonder if that's what he was talking about. (laughs) Good to know. I have to make make a request uh, really quickly. Um, the next time we do a show about something that Dave is very passionate about, can you remind me to charge my headphones beforehand? <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> this Sorry, is it. Go. These are the only things I care yeah, about my, in the my, universe. My, my, Midnight my, Mass and Dune are done. We're good. <laughs> oh, Steve, you were saying? Sorry? I don't even remember now. We're Holy talking shit. about religion and uh, the Bene Gesserit and, and uh, Paul being the Messiah and stuff. Pretty sure it actually didn't have to do with that. Oh Holy god shit. damn I'm it! Like, well, so drunk. <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry. Yeah, they Fine. they did they gave a lot to the thopters in this movie. We should have mentioned that oh, earlier. Yeah. Because they, yeah, because they look fucking dope. They are that, sadly not book accurate, but they are very cool because a, an ornithopter is something that flies like a bird, mm-hmm. so it has right. wings that scoop air. But I fucking love them in this. Yeah. I love they're so fly? cool. Mm. That was yeah. the thing I was gonna say. Yeah, I, so I didn't cool. see the trailers and I was really happy. Did like they the show this in the trailers? I feel I like there were some shots of it a little bit. Dude, a little bit. How cool annoyed. was the carry-all, dude, when it just inflates the balloons yes. to fly? Yeah. That shit's super so you, cool. So you see you see David losing his shit here. I mean, that's the thing, right? The technology cool. in Dune <laughs> is very much well figured out in the setting um you know even down to like why they use the specific weapons like, the paracompass yeah, i'm not gonna get cool, into dude. it like hey we but, can't have a, a thing we can't have ai but, but you there see, is ways there like, are ways cool, to like, figure out how to get this compass to point north with technology but that isn't ai like that's cool shit man uh, if that's, you ever wanted to see like a star wars fan that's a good ship, job the equivalent right here this is dave here. <laughs> that's He's a like, good yeah, job they i think i think they did a so, good job on so many things in this movie and then they just kind of like go eh, but not that part oh <laughs> the are fine yeah the i said i like the ornithopters. okay okay Shouts well, you look, muted look, if no. you were wondering oh it's fine he's just like judging he looks, us he looks very confused <laughs> I, um, I, the only thing i was thinking of the whole ornithopter every time i saw one is i'm like i almost wonder if they were gonna make one that was like based on a bumblebee or something like that that would make more sense because again, scooping air. It's just a, it's a detail that Frank Herbert explains, like in his elaborate, like over detail. It's not important, but it's kind of fun to see it realized. And I was, I was pleasantly surprised. Like, I love, I love the thopters in I this. Liked they were, it. I should have talked it. about the end of design thing earlier. Um, I, so I said we should have. Yeah. The um, so the fremen are very important to Dune as a whole. But I, mm-hmm. what did you think of how? much they were used in the film because they I think weren't it really makes sense that they're basically not in this movie yeah. until because they really are more important in the second so, half well See, right, what I, did you actually, think of it i was fine with the amount that they were used in because i really felt like it was either you had to incorporate them more into the movie or less and make the second part about them so i actually think that they should have ended the movie even earlier than they did yes, even before yes, yes. that fight I mm. that's see that's yeah. really interesting. I was gonna say the I thought, yeah. point that I'd go ahead, Eric. I don't think I talked about where I thought they ended. 
So I oh. thought they were like, if they were going to do that fight at the end, I thought they were going to go up until maybe before the, the jump without spoiling the other to these. You mean the time jump? Yeah, I didn't want to say that. <laughs> but, well, I meant for Brent because he hasn't seen it. They might not. You don't know how long it is. It could That's be 10,000 years. It could be one month. It's yeah, a time I, jump. I thought they were going to do like... it right before the time jump because that sort of makes yeah. sense in my brain. I don't know why, because really I saw the fight and I was like, okay, I guess they're going to go up there. Um, or after Duke Leto dies. Like, I assume that whole part was going to be the you end. You think that would be the end of the movie? Just like know. Leto dies I, and everything I, falls? I, and Yeah, I, I, thought that would be cool. I thought that'd be a cool ending. Like, Well, we'd just, have to focus on the family way more than <laughs> I, oh, I think. I think the way they framed it, I think it makes sense. I was sort of thinking that too. I thought like, okay, they could just end it when the moment that Jessica and Paul crest the hill and see everything on fire yeah. right i mean that's sort of like a natural point but i think in terms of setting up a sequel and trying to like milk the yeah. potential of a sequel uh they needed to provide the path to hope right you know and then finding i, I go ahead Brent. i don't know i and i agree i think that we needed to see the froman at the end of this movie to set up uh <laughs> the anticipation for this Freeman, Freeman, Abe Froman, the Sausage King of Chicago. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's Fremen, Fremen. Thing, it's Ignore yeah. Dave. He's Sorry. an elitist. He's an elitist. Now I know why two of us are gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, so you, you know, you I like I, you just unplug this charger. <laughs> no, I, I think that we needed to see um to to set up the anticipation for because you have to leave an audience thinking where is the next one going to go so i think we needed to definitely see but i would have ended it like at the moment that they kind of they encounter them when uh like once they encounter them and then end it there um i don't think they needed to see the fight or i did i did assume that after the fight he would have picked his name like I thought that was gonna happen in right, this film, right? Like, and then yeah, that set sets up. up the whole big thing of the next film. But they never do that, and I thought that was really weird because they showed the mouse a lot. I feel that like, yeah, I feel like there might be yeah, some yeah. flashbacks if we get a sequel to that mouse. They showed the important. mouse a lot. So, the mouse is important later for guys. For well, those who for don't thing. know, for one thing, yeah. in the in the Lynch film, which I think did divide this up fairly accurately, but I think it makes sense if you're gonna split it up. Uh, basically. The two things that the people who don't know Dune, um, for your benefit, um, the Bene Gesserit as a tradition that has existed since the uh, destruction of AI, uh, have been plotting like a their own sort of plan to create like a genetic super being, right? Which is hinted they at in the film. In the but more importantly, they have such influence as Bene Gesserit uh, women who have infiltrated every aspect, every level of society that they have actually planned for this moment. And they have, in fact, seeded worlds. This is why Dune is so amazing. I think this might be in a sequel if they do it. They have to explain this, right? They have to. Mm. This is not really a spoiler, but it'll at least allow you to, like, understand some of what's going on in the first film. They've seeded worlds with myths for the eventuality of their success. And what's happening at the end of the film, the very end after like, you know, the knife fight and everything is Paul is obviously aware of some of this information and he decides to take advantage of the myths that have been laid beforehand by the Bene Gesserit across countless worlds in order to secure his position with the Fremen. So I know that that whole sentence probably doesn't make sense because I'm super. Wait, wait, does it make sense to the the other people, to the new ones? Steve was talking about 
I really briefed over that. Exploiting the fact that these people think he's a savior. He's a god, yeah. Yeah, they basically not, planted, well, not a god, but savior. They planted a, a, a myth about a a man who would come and would know your ways and would be born of a Bene Gesserit. Like these are all things that have already been prepared like hundreds, hundreds of years. Of years of years and been planted I, into the culture which i don't think is really emphasized uh, it was it, it is kind of set up like the fact that it, like you get that feeling every time paul encounters someone and, and you get like those people give him that okay, look good. and they start still gar says yeah. i recognize you yeah yeah which yeah. is cool but weird yeah. yeah and just like it's just the way that everyone uh and they speak in a different language when they when they talk to him and everything and he understands I, like that that yeah, gave me the knows. sense that like people People see him as as some kind of like foretold story. You know, like so there's he's an some eventual hero. There's an interesting sort of parallel kind of narrative as to is he really truly the prophesized one, or is he just someone who's taking Exploited. advantage? Yeah, an exploitation yeah. of something that's been laid for. Yeah. You know, and, and um, I got that sense too for when like the the woman at the beginning was basically like telling the mother, you know, like what Maybe. were you doing you were told to have a girl like yeah. you know guys can't do this yeah. you know like you yeah. you're putting all your effort in and you'll see me there that's, see, that's a whole other thing that i didn't even want to touch on because yeah. we'll see if the, the yeah that in the... oh look it's all of us except steve's in the wrong thing because he turned off his video <laughs> um shit what were we talking about oh god that was a good talk too i wish i was recording it <laughs> God damn we it. were talking Sorry. about the the mother's Jessica. decision to, yeah so, just so, decision to kick him off the plane so jessica's motivations like it, it felt like she was trying to move her son off of uh world for pretty much most of the film but i feel like her motivations changed when she saw his vision in the tent like i think she saw something awaken in him it might have been mm -hmm. the the whole um, that is when the sleeper the Hatterash and all of that stuff happened I think that's when she realized that he's really up for the challenge. And I think that's where we're going to see her move forward with her belief in him as, you know, the voice. I, I think we see it in her, but I don't think we really see the change in him, oddly enough. He still seems kind of the same, but like yeah. something I, does change in him there. And I, I don't know if you guys saw it. I didn't see it. I, 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 I think it, it's subtle, but I think he's gaining more confidence. Like, I don't think yeah. he would have done that fight if he was as you know unsure of himself as he well, was earlier he doesn't know the stakes of the fight yeah that's true. i would say that the fact that he did decide like when his mother said like we've got to get off world and then he kind of overrid rid her i feel that that's the moment when he comes into his own you know mm -hmm. that he decides no this is my purpose i am the duke and i'm going to try to take desert power and change things so that's my interpretation anyways i am Paul Atreides and I am burdened with glorious purpose. I am Paul. Hear me roar. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I don't know how much we want to keep going. I know we we stopped for a couple seconds there. We talked about uh, Jessica. There, there is something I do want to talk about. We touched on it a little bit because of how the houses are portrayed in. The oh God, it's Steve's drinking, isn't it? <laughs> no, but um, there is a lot of talk <laughs> online about this. <laughs> About this it's being. an intervention. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of talk online about this film. Like most of the reviews are very positive, but there are a couple people online that are saying that this is very much a white film. Like a lot of the the portrayals are white and 
Um, and really, I'm, yeah, I'm, the, the I'm people... not gonna lie. I did play when when what's her face again. I'm bad with names. Uh, Jessica, Lightus, Lights, or yeah, no, the the doctor, the, the yes, like the doctor Lit Kinds, Lit Kinds, yes, that's the it. planetologist. I did, I did notice when she came on screen. It was one of the few times I was like, oh, there's another black person. Yeah, well, uh, the 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 oh, big the big uh, criticism <laughs> online is that. This seems like white savior because all the Fremen are people of color. There's like I have yes. bad news for those people. That's the that's the story. I know. I but... know. I know. Uh, and yeah. then we get House Charity is very white, and then there's a couple other people in the in the in the world that are you know colored as well. Doctor Yue. I do it's like. Actually, I mean, at the, they at did the same cast. A, okay, so I was going to say, ideally in 2021, if you could cast these people, you know, but I think it's a great cast, you know, and I'm not. Yeah focused on on race and cultural issues even though that is very much a part of the story but it's it's projected so far to the future and it is about uh the essential qualities of humanity that it transcends in my opinion like notions of specific you know cultural attitudes or countries and so on and so forth so i I, i'm just speaking for myself i didn't i know there's going to be a white savior narrative that's thrown out there i don't think that's that's valid necessarily. I mean, you could make that argument just because of who's yeah. cast. But I personally am able to enjoy the story yeah. for philosophical yeah. implications. So it's yeah. like I said while the stream was frozen, I'll say it again. It's 2021. You can't do anything without somebody pointing racist. It's just impossible. The, the, the the and I, the story is heavily influenced by like Lawrence of Arabia, which is sort of a white savior Fair thing. Enough. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. But like I, I said, I think I said, well, we're frozen. If you read the book, you'll understand why it's not that it yeah. will very much be even. Well, uh, to yeah. be fair, the writer specifically said what the book, the book is a warning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And about what specific things you'll have to read to understand. But it is like, a good job and it is very pertinent, actually, to our current political climate. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. If, if you read the whole book, I agree with the um, elitist. Before I go like, to my could you imagine? <laughs> could you imagine if Star Wars came out for the first time? Like it had never yeah, existed. It's a different time it came now. out in twenty twenty one. Jesus, no, Christ, we've had this conversation. In, we've had this conversation in chasing Amy. Mm-hmm. Right, it's true. White man, black man, black man's white inside. <laughs> anyway, let's let's move away from this. Um, <laughs> before I go to the last thing, are there any scenes in particular you guys want to mention or shout out because they were very good? The Gom Jabbar scene. I thought it was yep. phenomenal. I think it was. Um, this is the the box for those uh, who don't know uh, the name of it. Um, I, I I know some. Oh, sorry. There's um <laughs> Wired. Wired actually does a um a scene breakdown of this with uh Dennis Villeneuve. Um, so definitely check that out on on Wired. They're they're not. I watched that. Is it Variety on, yeah. or Wired? I think it's Wired, isn't it? I think it's okay, Variety. Well, well, I'll, I'll I'll post a link somewhere. It's a video, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, when 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 Paul fights Jamis, you realize that the person who yeah. taught Paul everything he knows about the Fremen through his visions was Jamis in another timeline. Yeah. And that, that is really so that is that's new, and that's something that's fucking cool as shit. Mm-hmm. That so is that's, super cool. That actually new. blows my mind now that you've confirmed that because I kind of thought that was what was going on, but I guess I'm mm-hmm. too tied to normal movies to appreciate that because I was like, was that really what happened? Was that really like yeah. a, a yeah, whole I, other yeah. possibility? That's right? really cool. Pulsing all these different timelines, which I love that they showed Crazy. that. Crazy. And then 
and also Jameis is like the one at the beginning of the movie who's shooting at one of the uh, carriers He's that the Harkonnens are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very cool. But that's yeah, that's me. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I oh, that you just cool. blew my mind. Holy crap. I told you, dude, I love this movie. It's just not the same thing as Dune. Is that what I'm saying? It's, it's not the same. It's someone's Dune. It's not Frank Herbert's yeah. Dune. That's for sure. But that's how it's going to be, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm not I'm not upset. About it, I I I just love the things I love about Dune. Wow! And I wish other people could experience them. So read the book. Um, Steve, any any scene you want to point out as something amazing on there? Um, I I really can't think of one right now. I honestly, it's I feel the opening. I I guess this is a weird sort of emphasis, but in comparing in comparing all the approaches to Dune, um, the book actually. David, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it opens with um, the scene where the Reverend Mother actually tests Paul right uh, right at the beginning. No, right? she she comes in and in his bedroom and talks to him and sort of gets okay. a feeling for him, and then the test happens a little bit later. Yeah, which if we look at it from a structural storytelling point of view, um, creates a sense of like danger, right? Because like right out of the gate, right, he's threatened with death. Right. And you don't even really understand why. Right. And you get plunged into this universe full of intrigue and and plots that are just unknown to you. And the uh, the 84 version of Dune decided to kind of go with a more narrative perspective where it actually shows the emperor talking with yet another party than the Spacing Guild, which is somebody (laughs) who's totally relevant to this current film um, about his plans to fuck over the Atreides, basically. Like he's basically an architect of a way of removing a Ooh. potential rival in the future. Can you which pause is there for one completely- second? Oh, yeah. Did you guys get this? Because they sort of pointed out in the film, like hint at it, that the Emperor is the one pulling the strings of the mm-hmm. church. That's true. Did you get yeah. that? Yeah. Okay, that came across. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, that because yeah, that was an interesting thing. Because in the Lynch film, they actually showed the Emperor and he personally explains his monologue right his villain monologue of what he's trying to do because there are third parties who are like we need to know what you're actually doing because this is gonna actually fuck up what we're trying to do right yeah. so you get you get a much plans within of, plans well i got it because there there was actually the line of dialogue towards the end where jessica goes like well now we know what side the emperor is on right mm, yes, yeah yes, yes, yes. and i thought it was really interesting that they opened with uh, my point being that they opened with the Fremen because I don't think that has been done in any of the versions so far. And I no. thought that was really interesting to see like the Fremen perspective because up and then not explained like their beliefs either. I don't think that's yeah. important in this part. Not yet. Too, this part. Not yet. No, it's but not yet. it's going to be hopefully, hopefully it will be very but important thought, in the next one. Yeah. But I thought it was a really interesting choice to start with the people actually of the world that is being exploited that is the focus of all of this political and like just stuff that is way beyond their even comprehension i thought that was a really interesting choice and uh and yeah i was so glad not to have seen those scenes earlier and just sort of see that expression of that like guerrilla war that they're fighting so anyway that's that was sort of to me the scene that really kind of like spoke to me and said yeah villano kind of knows what he's doing this is amazing brent yeah. Anything that any scenes that uh, <laughs> that you want to shout out or not? Um, I mean, like, the, yeah, we yeah. talked. About it. I, there's not really like any 
super specific like they really like stood out to me that we haven't already discussed i mean like the the starter car scene with the throat singing like i oh, oh the mongolian throat singing. Oh, i want a little so throat cool. singing after that but, um but I, the one scene that we haven't really discussed uh which was kind of like vital was um the when stilgar comes to meet with them yeah mm-hmm. still was good and like i just i and i love that scene just for the fact that like when he spits and everything so he's the being disrespectful and it turns out it's like no 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 it's like this is like a sign of peace like <laughs> that's a that's a the movie right steve i don't remember that i don't no, remember stillgar it's, ex- it's in the extended cut it's in the director's uh, cut of uh 2000 as well right but is director. it in the book uh, I think it is. I don't remember Stillgar. Okay, I can't. It's in this movie, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, what? That's important. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's really cool, Brent, that you point that out because I feel that um, it was a very understated performance, and I think Javier Bardem did a really good job. So yeah. anyway, that's all I wanted. To say. I really like him as Stillgar. The um, Every, as soon as he walked into the scene, I just the whole time I was just waiting for him to speak because I like I'm waiting for that hmm. gravelly voice. <laughs> And it was almost like they knew you were, and they just kept him from talking. And then they kept talking to him, and he still wasn't saying anything. Still wasn't saying anything. Still, and I'm like, God damn it, speak! And then he, the gravelly voice. Still in like, oh, there he is. Um, he's that's he's cool. a man of few cool. words. Um, Dave, to, to practice uh, mm-hmm. throat singing, I have actually done this through choral singing. Is um, you were making that sound, but go through the different vowels, and then just do, and then yeah, and then just do the mouth thing of it. You don't have to actually say the actual vowel what if i'm learning ventriloquism eric you don't know <laughs> um shows are there any scenes or anything that you want to mention i liked the um the rescue of that uh harvester um yeah when yeah. you know when they when like, like the, just the way that it showed that the uh the duke was oh, you know he, cool. he, didn't, he didn't care about the spice as much as he wanted to protect the people Nice, um, nice. Right, and he went down there, and, and he tried to, to rescue those people, and and just the, the, the special effects too of, of watching that thing get get sucked up into the mouth of the worm. This is a really cool scene. Yeah, that's really awesome for you to emphasize that because in the '84, there's a lot more voiceover with Liette kind of like, kind of really emphasizing the fact that oh wow, this dork duke really cares more about people than profits right yeah. so it's really yeah. cool that when they took that out that that was still emphasized mm. that, no thanks for pointing that out that's really awesome. damn the spice i will mention one other scene and it's a very short scene um it's when the the fremen are in that when they're all in that little ecological place and the fremen are making water tea oh or yeah coffee, coffee. Or they're making coffee it's the coffee thing. service yeah um and then they hear something and then they immediately hide yeah, they went and then they just sort of come out of the sand and attack the Harkin in there. <clears throat> Fuck. No. Oh no, the Harkin. Sorry, 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 sorry. My bad. I did I did realize I said that in mistake. Um, but it just shows that there's such an amazing fighting force and just their mm-hmm. ingenuity and how well they know their environments. Oh my mm. god. It in all in just that little scene, you see all of that, and that's phenomenal. That's true. That's and I can't point. believe that not one of us brought up at one point the fact that they walk around in the desert drinking their own ball sweat. Well, it's full, right, body, it's full body sweat. Like I, I understand. Ball sweat. <laughs> um, okay, so last uh, last thing before <laughs> the sweat comes from worse places than their balls, Brent. Yeah, could be butt sweat. I swear at one. I swear at one point someone did say drink the taint. Sweat. Anyway, um, in uh, 2019, I have something June, to share with you. In June 2019, <laughs> Legendary Television, who produced uh, the film, announced that they're making Dune: The Sisterhood, which is the TV series for HBO Max. It's going to be. The first yeah. episode is going to be directed by Denis Villeneuve, and it's going to be written by the same guys who did the movie. Um, 
excited to hear some of the backstory of uh, i'm happy for anything more dune because that will potentially provide more film dune but i'm not as big of a fan of the brian herbert stuff as david is i feel that's a little bit i only read those first three novels yeah, I actually and they were also, very good because it's just humans versus machines. It was really what cool. about what about the, well, the, the newbies, Brenton Shouse? So are you excited to I, learn more of the backstory? I, I'm excited for the next movie. I don't know that this movie really like captured me the way that it did you guys in the sense that like now I must absorb all things Dune. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll watch it like I'll I'll try it out and, and see how it is. And if I like it, I'll continue. If not, then I won't. It's just Ooh. that's kind of where I'm at with it. This is this is more of a prequel oh. to the film. So um just to give some yeah. context. Chaos, what about you? Exact same as Brent. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Good to know. Almost word for word. To. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I hopefully it'll be good. I assume HBO Max has some really good TV shows. So mm-hmm. let's hope. As long as it's not Titans, I'm I'm fi- happy. And as long as they don't cast Mel Gibson in a pivotal role, I'll be fine with this. Being in this uh, franchise, okay. I'm looking no, forward to the comments rigs. saying it's Dune's ripping rigs. off other stuff, ripping off Star Wars, and ripping yeah. off Warhammer. Can't wait, I, baby! All right, as a Warhammer. As a Warhammer fan, I find it really <laughs> funny. They're all, everyone's making memes about how, like, oh my god, I just saw Doom. They totally ripped off Warhammer. And I just like, <laughs> and of course, everyone's memeing the shit out of that because it's the other way around. Anyway, yeah. Sorry. Um, also, Starcraft was a rip off of anyway. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> final thing. Excited for if they make the next film. Dave, go first. Yeah, I'd love to see a sequel. I'd love to see a sequel. I'd love to see Denis Villeneuve direct it. I don't think he will. I think he will. He wants to. I think he wants to, but I don't think they're going to like, I just think WB and he just don't see eye to eye. And I don't think it'll happen, especially after Blade Runner. Just, you know, and everybody loves Blade Runner, but it didn't make money. It's like the original Blade Runner. That's right. (laughs) Steve. I am a little more optimistic. I feel like uh, WB is holding onto their cards for a moment to maximize the announcement that they're going to do a sequel. I think the plans are already in place, but I don't want to say so until, you know, the numbers have actually rolled through. I think they're just waiting for like a good news story to attach it to. But I understand I've watched a lot of studio bullshit specifically with Disney and uh, Ryan Johnson. And um, based on that, I feel there's a good chance that we will probably get a sequel with Villain. Counterpoint. Yeah. Based on all the DC movies, I don't think WB knows what the fuck they're doing in terms Although, of that stuff. I will say that is a fair point. So. <laughs> Although DC, mm-hmm. uh, they had the, the fandom the other day and mm-hmm. what they were saying was actually pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't, truthfully, I've been so... F- laser focused on star wars as everybody knows that i know a lot of the political machinations with that with the dc side there's been a lot of change of mm-hmm. who's in charge we'll and talk about after their the whole yeah yeah basically warner brothers it's hard to say what exactly they're about right now so i feel like there's a good chance that villano will get his sequel because of the way he gambled everything on this yep. first movie and i i hope i mean i i know i'm biased but i hope that people came away from this movie even if they're not dune fans with the really excited anticipation yeah. uh, anticipation so yeah anyway i do like that every single interview is like you think they're gonna do a sequel and all the cast yeah. are like come on man don't 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 be like that with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that's the, that, that to me I feel is like actually kind of a tailored narrative, but anyway. All right, Brent, are you excited for the next I'm, film? 
I oh, I'm absolutely excited. I'm going to hot take this though because uh, I think that there is a strong possibility that if this movie does exceptionally well, that instead of what I would love to see is I'd love to see Villeneuve come back and do the continuation and finish the story. But I think that there is always a strong chance in this day in cinema that you're going to see them go. Is it better for us to hire him to make his vision or to bring in somebody lesser and let's split this into two movies? Let's hobbit this. Let's Hunger Games this oh God. and expand the story even further oh, into two or three there's movies. Not enough you just ruined my day, man. You just totally ruined No, no, no. Wait, because the book I, is three, three books. So the one book is three books. So this yeah. could work. Well, then they split it into four parts instead of like you know. Especially if we go into a little Paul of Doom. Oh, brother! Okay, David is an absolute is an absolute fanboy. Elitist doesn't know what the fuck. I haven't read Paul of Doom. What I'm saying though, I just like to antagonize people. (laughs) I just one of us. I just want children of Doom. Okay, sorry. No, Uh, Uh, shows. 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 What do you think? Do you hope there's a sequel? Do you want to see it? Yes, absolutely. I want to see what happens next. Um, and, a, and a final thing, um, I saw Dune when I was the 84 one that scared the shit out of me when I was like five or six. So As it um, I will not show my children the 84 Dune one at their I age right now. I don't recommend anybody show the 84 version to Dune unless you're 20 plus years old. That's true. But um, shows, you're the only <laughs> God, one with was... a kid out on here with, like, with me. Is this a film that you're looking forward to showing your kids? Your kids are a bit older than me. Uh, yeah, a little, a little bit, but I don't, I don't think that this would really be their the thing. I, yet. I would think maybe you don't, you don't, you don't want to show your kid a movie about like a guy, a kid's dad dying. You know, that's not. <laughs> don't you love the Lion King? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. This Aquaman. Is really... Look, Aquaman. Yeah, look, <laughs> I, I, I told you the story Aquaman of my died. daughter look, and Jason Momoa. She wants to see this. <laughs> look, half of the MCU is in this movie. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, so no, not not right now, but eventually. Yeah, maybe, maybe in the future, maybe when they're older, like teenagers, older teenagers, they might. I think I, I appreciate it more. There's a lot. This is yeah. a long movie, right? I mm-hmm. have a friend uh, who is a big Dune fan. He's the one who introduced me to Dune, and even he's kind of like, yeah, I'm not so sure about showing it to my daughter. She's sure. only like, I think, ten or twelve, and I think there's just. There's I mean, lot. yeah, visually, yeah, visually, there's a lot going on that's like really impressive, but. Yeah, there's a lot of subtleties. That's the thing, right? I think that's the one thing I wanted to emphasize is between the 84 version, which I feel you know, as, as much as us Dune fans enjoy, is a little bit of a, a cult classic because it's just so ridiculous. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Um, yeah. The new movie is very subtle. And that's the thing. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think children will be able to appreciate I, a lot of this. It's also long. I can it's tell you right now, thir- 13-year-old me would not have made it through this movie. Because Fair. he wouldn't, thirteen-year-old me wouldn't have appreciated what this movie is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like the visual style of it and everything that goes into it. Like it's, it's to me, I just would have been like, Where, "Where's the sandworms? I want more sandworms eating people." Yep. Like, you know. yep. Fair. I think the you second and I half were very different thirteen-year-olds. Yes, <laughs> I, I think the second one will be way more I, because of what happened. I was, out, I was out finding girls, and you were reading Dune. I didn't read Dune. I've never read Dune. I've only listened to the audiobook. I, oh, I'm I think sorry, the, big difference. I think the second half of this film will be way easier for people to digest because there's a lot more oh, action. Yeah. Um, yeah. In general. Really? The second film is going to be very expensive. Although there's a lot of quiet moments, if that, without talking. Uh, I, I almost hope they make two more versions, kind of like, you know, the TV series, because 
it's not that the second part you know with like paul basically and this is not a spoiler right paul's going to live among the fremen he's going to learn about yeah. that right so it's a question of how much emphasis you want to put on that as uh versus his uh you know revenge right <laughs> i guess that's the other way of putting it and um i don't know i don't know i don't i'm not really sure what to expect from a second version but i feel that villanove he gets it so i'm looking forward to it yeah, so i think we can all agree if this were done like game of thrones was done that would be the best version of Dune you could get with that kind of budget, with that kind of scope. That's what Dune would need to be to actually fulfill what people sort of, would like to see from Dune. Sort of funny. I was actually talking to my friend about this and we were comparing like 84 and 2021. And I was actually saying like, you know, the one advantage that 2021 has is the fact that Game of Thrones occurred and the concept of houses and family struggles for okay. imperial power are well established so you don't need to really waste too much time on explaining that type of uh, conflict it's already in the uh zeitgeist as they mm. say so okay. i i was like yeah you know what um we're ready for this you know yeah. like this is actually a good time because even the term house right like when was the last time you actually ever heard the term house applied to a family right uh, it was yeah. through game of thrones Right. Every video yeah. game I play. Yeah. When I anyway, well, let, for me, we, we could keep talking about on. this for hours and hours. So I do want to wrap this up. Um, one final thing for people who haven't seen Dune and decide to go through all the spoiler, yeah. through all these spoilers. Oh my god! How many gonna, things I'm, are there? I'm Max. gonna quick, quick through all of these people. <laughs> watch it in theaters. Watch it at home, Dave. This movie. Which one would you? Oh, want, you could do either. Honestly, you could do either. It's Steve. fine. What do you prefer? No, in IMAX, IMAX only IMAX. Brent, unless Brent, you're Fred Barrett, I was I was perfectly fine watching it at home because I watched like a really good copy of it, and I had a good headset on that provided really good audio quality for it. So cool. Uh, shows. I watched it at home, but I think I'd love to see it in the theater. Damn straight. Um, I will also say go in theater, seeing the biggest things. Go see D Box if you want a massage. Dave, um, I, we didn't really talk about this, but you said the 3D was good yeah um it actually did uh served the film quite well it gives you very cool pulling focus on things like there's certain scenes that where the 3d is actually doing a good job emphasizing the person you should be looking at not just it's one of the few times i've seen a conversion because this was not filmed in 3d Fair a enough. conversion that wasn't overly dark it was darker but I, for a blind guy I saw well enough in there. You were right. There are some very dark scenes. Like when I say blind guy, I mean, like you go to a movie and like the lights go out. I can't see anything. I am fully fucking like you can have a flashlight on over there. I can't see anything. Mm -hmm. But you would suggest um, it. So I, yeah, I, I honestly I don't, I don't, didn't detract I at all. Okay. And it, it did enhance certain okay. scenes when Paul's in the tent. There's a very with the stuff that's like very cool. It's very okay. cool. I sort of I retract. I retract my earlier statement about not going to 3D because now that you mention it, yeah, a lot of the film is in daylight. So that's yeah. true. That's actually a big plus. So dude, the ships in three. Oh my god, the explosions. Anyway, okay. go see the okay. movie. He's come see the movie. I'm see seeing it in 3D it's right. now. It's fine. It's fine. Thank you guys for coming and listening. Thank you guys for coming and talking about Dune for all this all this uh like three hours. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that uh we had some stream troubles. I don't know what happened uh we'll see how that when, it doesn't matter when we uh edit this um we will see you guys later thank you guys for coming we'll see you guys soon goodbye good long live the Bye. fighters well that's it for us this week on geeks with kids if you want to get a hold of us you can send us an email at podcast at geekswithkids.ca and don't forget to like us on facebook at facebook.com slash geeks with kids 
Follow us on Twitter at GeekswithKidsTN. Check out our pics on Instagram at GeekswithKids. And you can find all of this good stuff on our website at www.geekswithkids.ca. So if you like what you hear, why don't you hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment. This podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, and your favorite podcasting app. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.